Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of A La Carte with Keithy. My name is Keithy Langston and today I have a very uh, kind of an extended special edition that I want to play for you or that I want to uh, give to my audience this week. Uh, this is kind of a hmm, a multi-part episode, so to speak, and the reason being is because I am having uh, three separate people kind of come on and uh, participate with me. Uh, I, a couple of new, or at least one new segment, and then a couple of refresh segments, uh, making the way of returning champions, if you will, and um, I hope you enjoy them, uh, so sit back, relax, enjoy, and of course, Please feel free to tell me if I am way off the mark with this, or if you enjoyed it. Um, and of course, always do that on the Twitter, so please enjoy. Hey everybody, and welcome to the most interesting segment, uh, or at least all of the segments I like. And this one is a, kind of a cool one. It's a newer segment that I'm doing here on A La Carte with Keithy. And I definitely want to bring in a very, very special friend of mine. He is a very close, personal, longtime friend. He is the man who got me into reading comics and got me kind of into super nerdum. And whenever I feel insecure or self-conscious about wanting to spend money on a toy or a concert or a movie or going on a trip or whatever it is, I ask him and he just goes, please. So please welcome my friend, Jeremy. Jeremy, how are you today? I'm doing great. Excellent. And Jeremy, I brought you in today to discuss, uh, as I said, a new segment. And this is what I'm calling Marvel Mutation. And I love I love alliteration in all of my uh, segments that I have. So what we're going to be doing or what we're going to be talking about is I asked you to do a little research and tell me of a particular storyline in the comic book world. And I didn't necessarily limit you to Marvel. You could have done anything. You could have done DC. You could have done Image. You could have done anything. But I said, give me a time that you read a storyline that you hated, that you just thought was a an abysmal way to explain the character development of a certain particular character or just the storyline itself was just dragged on and it just was disappointing. Maybe it was even something that you didn't like the art, anything. It could be anything comic book related. And I asked you, I tasked you to come up with this and I wanted to get some fire in your belly and really have you go on a little bit of a rage rant, if you will. So I'm going to throw it over to you now. And I want you to, to explain to me what it is that you found what it is that you hated about it, and if there was anything that you found that you might have been able to change that would have made it better for everybody. So go right ahead. All right. So, all right. This is, you're not going to be shocked by this at all, but obviously it's Dazzler related. <laughs> okay. And it's the storyline from Uncanny X-Men with Bendis when he was writing it. Okay. You know which story that is? Which one? When she was Dazzler, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That you remember me reading a couple of issues in your house and getting very angry? Yes, absolutely. Um, so obviously, it's been a few years since I'd read it. So when you tasked me with this, I was like, let me think about this. I could easily do like a big X-Men story or um, DC story, whatever. But I was just like, okay, if this is going to be my, my first foray into nerdery, <laughs> in a super public forum. It has to be Dazzler related. So, mm -hmm. um, 
rereading, I went back on Marvel Unlimited, not on my back issues because trying to get those is impossible. But looking at the run, it was a lot longer than I remembered, but also Bendis's books just like flow very quickly because there's like 12 panels of the same image in three words, which is yeah. a different issue. But the storyline, I, I guess it's a little different than I remembered it. I do remember being mad that she got co-opted by Mystique almost immediately after showing up. Right. But then I didn't realize what happened to her was really, really horrible. And like, this might be why Bendis blocked me on Twitter. And <laughs> I don't remember tweeting anything super negative towards him, but like, it's basically misogyny that he threw at her. And rereading it, I was shocked by some of the stuff that he had happened to her or did to her. I mean, he wrote it. Okay, so for the sake of people who may not know of the Dazzler situation where she becomes an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., why don't you give us like a little brief overview of what yeah. happened? So, okay, so first off, coming, leading into this story, she was leading her own X-Men team in the Extreme X-Men for a couple of years, and that like had a few crossover issues. So she was like a heavy hitter. She was in charge. She was very confident. She was the Dazzler that people usually think of. Um, I know she doesn't have a mega fan base, but her fan base is very rabid and we understand who she is. And you would think that if a writer is bringing her in, they would also understand who she is. So her coming into this uncanny X-Men run as an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., at first it seems like, okay, she's doing the right thing. She's trying to help Cyclops because remember him and Magneto and Emma, they were like on the run and they were kind of, they weren't bad guys, but they were definitely like revolutionary types. Um which of course in Marvel that was seen as like a bad guy. So yeah, her role was the mutant liaison, but then it turned out that she was actually supposed to be bringing them all in. And like, that's great in theory, but then you have her, her first interaction is going after one of the new teenagers, gold balls. Um, yes. One of the five now. So she basically shows up at his house and <laughs> Again, this is something I didn't remember. So I'm rereading it. And I was like, this is ridiculous. So she shows up and his, it was either his mother, mother or sister. is like, oh my God, I know who you are. You're Dazzler. And she pulls out the record. And of course, it's like the old image of Dazzler album cover. Yeah. And Bendis had Chris Boccolo, I think that's how you say his last name, draw her like repulsed at seeing her own album cover. And was like, why do you have that? Oh. And if she was ashamed of who she was, which is mm -hmm. not at all what Dazzler represents. Right. And that was like strike one for me at rereading this. And I was like, this is bullshit. Mm. So then when all push comes to shove, of course, like the X-Men show up, uh, Emma and all them, and they yell at Dazzler, they leave, whatever. Maria Hill gets mad. And then they end up infiltrating the shield helicarrier where she has gold balls and friggin cyclops <laughs> calls her the uncle tom of the mutants oh gosh <laughs> so it's like okay so now you i don't remember that brought her in to character yeah. assassinate her yes because then immediately after that she gets drugged and taken out by mystique and you think that she's dead and i remember reading that issue specifically in your living room and being like what the just happened you can you can swear on here okay um but i remember i was like floored because you don't bring this character in and then right. have her literally get fridged well i was <laughs> fridged <laughs> nice nice reference there fridge uh no i remember too see it's funny because i i thought that they had 
like remember how fast they had it be where she was all of a sudden mystique mm-hmm. and that's where oh, i no, thought no, it was- that was i think the one of the bigger insults is you have her come in and then within like three issues she's all of a sudden taken over yeah and that's i remember i remember having that and being like well that was a waste of time <laughs> like and you kind of and of course you getting angry because like you said you're a rabid dazzler fan and it's just it wasn't a it, it, it wasn't it wasn't like a good fit for her or at least what they turned it into i can understand why you got so angry about it um because like, yeah. yeah i mean i'm always for I like giving writers the benefit of the doubt to start to say like, okay, where's the story going? And Mm. make her an agent of shield. I was like, all right, if you want to cause some sort of tension, she maybe could do that. But then for her to like, I don't, I I just don't know what he was thinking with the way that he characterized her. I mean, it does get way worse by the way. Yeah. Right. But I mean, also with that too, I mean, it, it was just an out of character for her, but also, yeah like it just didn't make it didn't make sense and and it's not like bendis has this record of doing that with characters i feel well so now again rereading it i and i'm thinking back to all the books i've because obviously i've read a lot and a lot of marvel that he did and when you think back and looking at it from his ultimate spider-man to spider-woman new avengers all that stuff what i realized is that when he likes a female character, he will make sure that she is basically like a Mary Sue. Mm. But when he doesn't understand or, and I'm not obvious, I mean, this man's going to hate me by the time we're done with this podcast. (laughs) Because like what he did to her is one of the most horrible ways for you to characterize a female powerhouse that is like beloved and just, it either again i want i wish that he would somehow hear this and respond but it's like mm. did you not understand the assignment of who she is or did you just decide to completely again character assassinate her for the sake of your story mm. Mm. i mean it's possible that it's possible that he was intending to go somewhere with her that he just didn't and well, yes, we can keep going. Where he went with her isn't much better. All right. Well, go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> so, okay. Well, so I have a few problems with the story because I know, like, also you want us to know, like, my thoughts on the overall arc. Yeah, of the story. absolutely. And, yep. So, okay. So you have Mystique take over as Dazzler, the mutant liaison, Dazzler agent of field. Mm-hmm. Now, what Mystique cannot do is mimic somebody's powers, right? So, right. Why would you mimic somebody whose powers are very specific? And like not a body type power like Wolverine or or Angel or something where she could grow wings and like fly. Right. You cannot mimic turning sound into light. Right. So during this entire situation of her as Dazzler, she never once is able to use the powers and nobody questions it. (laughs) Nobody says, wow, Dazzler, why didn't you shoot them? Why didn't you do this? There's even a panel like towards the end before she gets found out where yeah. she's about to pull a gun on Beast. Mm. Like, no. Why would she do that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, the panel is her literally with her hand on her hip on her gun. Yeah. It's just, it's stupid. Yeah. No, that's a stupid, that's a stupid storyline. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, again, adding insult to injury with what he did to her, with Bendis, he did to her. 
So Mystique takes over and then you, it comes to find out that she has kind of taken over mad rapport and she is the one behind MGH, mutant growth hormone. Do you remember mm -hmm. that story? Okay. Yep, I do. So the reason with that is they're actually getting the mutant growth hormone from Dazzler because they have completely drugged her, knocked her unconscious and made her, you know, a vegetable, which is all. Oh, yes. Which is, I would have been okay with that to a point to be like, okay, if this is what needs to happen, it is like driving a story. Mm -hmm. But there's this entire scene between Mystique and Sabretooth where they're in with Dazzler who is tied up and drugged and she, her eyes are covered, her ears are covered. Yeah. Um, and Sabretooth is like, why, like, why her? And what did she ever do to you, basically? And Mystique, Bendis has Mystique say the words, she's a dirty sellout whore. <laughs> and this happened to her because she's a traitor. Wow. So, okay. but she called her a whore. Like, I mean, I, I was floored rereading. I don't, remember, I don't remember that. No, I didn't either. Like, I think I blocked it out because I was so mad. Yeah, that's like a <laughs> crazy, that's crazy. Like, it's one thing to be like, she had it coming because she was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay, that's like, I guess that's okay. But then yes. you have to literally insult. And you know me, I, I'm trying to like toe the line here of like, I'm trying to think how to phrase this, but I think there's a time and a place for certain um, words or certain yeah things. I don't know. But anyway, but like literally calling this woman that you have, just assassinated anyway. Destroyed a yeah. dirty sellout whore, and then you're like, "It's the fucking weird." She has no body autonomy. You're doing all of this horrible stuff to this female character without a second thought. And then on top of it, you're making this other one, which is kind of where I was going about like when he loves a character. You're making Mystique like this god that can just do whatever the hell she wants. Sure, sure. And nobody is none the wiser or whatever. And it just rereading it, I was I was shocked that I. Mm. You have blocked oh, out. <laughs> yeah, no one, no wonder you got banned from uh or blocked by so I, mean, I, I don't want to know what I said to him. <laughs> oh, you can't go back and see like what you put. No, I I try I don't see anything, so I don't know. I oh know. that's really funny that you got blocked by Bendis. Yeah. Um <laughs> but so okay, so then so that happens, and then finally, like she mystique shows up with Maria Hill and they're like trying to take on the X-Men. And at the same time, Magneto finds out that Dazzler is being held captive. So he, Magneto actually saves Dazzler and then takes her to the X-Men. And this is where things get like kind of good, but also so, still- So wait, is, is, hold on, is Mystique still pretending to be Dazzler with Maria Hill? Yeah, so at this point, okay. the, when Magneto finds her, Mystique Dazzler is off with S.H.I.E.L.D. fighting the okay. X-Men. And so Maggie right. is able to take real Dazzler away. Okay, okay. Right, and right. then, so he brings her to the new X-Mansion. Mm -hmm. Emma and all them. And it's just like, okay, this is good. So now she's she's there and she'll heal. But again, going into, did Bendis have an issue with her? And you know my thoughts on i did love the new costume he had chris anka work on for her which is the like the dark look that i cosplayed with the short hair and everything yeah but i'm like did you do that because you hated the disco version of dazzler and this like 
what she represented. So you wanted to make her this just angry person. Sure. I, I again, as I'm reading, the, I'm like, I don't understand what you're trying to do here. So then the story goes on, and she she is obviously angry because she was violated. And mm-hmm. the good thing is he Bendis did have her interact with Hank Beast because they did have a relationship previously from the Beauty and the Beast series. And so I was like, okay, this is a good callback. She's at least he's at least honoring some of these things. Right. But then, so she wants to go after Mystique and Emma's like, well, when you do that, like we need to figure out what the hell we're going to do to her because she is behind the MGH. She's behind taking you over. She's also behind all this like shit with shield. Mm -hmm. And Dazzler's like, just let me in a room alone with her. And I'm going to like make her pay. Mm. So by the time, so then also Dazzler goes to Maria and she's like, Hey, I'm the real Dazzler. And like, this isn't what I signed up for. And Maria's like, well, it's fine because you're fired anyway. And she's like, well, I was never fired. I was literally taken over and whatever. (laughs) I'm not Mystique. So then she's like, I need to know where Mystique is. They have this whole interaction. And then um, to that, I will say one of the cool things he did with her Dazzler is he made Maria purge the X-Men's records with the exception of like Cyclops and Emma. Oh, okay because they were kids and like they weren't behind anything that was going on involved for this whole uncanny run which was the introduction also of Ava Bell one of the five that whole remember that whole group yeah was this is this after like the phoenix like where Emma and Scott were like the phoenix yeah after AVX so it's after he killed Xavier yeah okay and it's also part of the oh this is the other thing so during this time was Battle of the Atom which is when the all new men came into the thing and remember that it starts out with president dazzler who gets fucking obliterated and killed yeah so you have two different storylines happening where you take this woman down what did mm-hmm. she do yeah that seems like it's it seems like he has a personal vendetta dazzler do to brian michael bendis right like what did yeah. he do i mean it can't be maybe in a dream she like didn't or he hates him. disco. Maybe he just hates disco. He might hate disco. That could be what it is. And instead, he wanted her to be Miley Cyrus because he had a 12-year-old daughter. I don't know. It was just a very strange process. But anyway, so the story goes on. They end up tricking Mystique and Emma and the Cuckoos like mess with Mystique's head and infiltrate where she is. And Dazzler's there. And so I do remember reading this thinking, oh, good. Dazzler's going to beat the living shit out of her because mm-hmm. she basically... Took her life. Her. She stole yeah. her life. She made her worse. First of all, the damage was already done in terms of Cyclops calling her the Uncle Tom. That was actually Dazzler. But then everything else that happened, it was like just icing on the cake for making this person not who she was supposed to be. So this fight is literally one panel of Dazzler shooting her out a window. And then telling magic for nothing. And then telling magic to save her from hitting the pavement. And then she goes down and Mystique's like, oh, you're letting me live. And she's like, yeah, I'm trying to teach these kids something. And it's like, uh, excuse me. No, what you should teach these kids is that when somebody violates you, you destroy them. Yeah. Yeah. And then Maria tried to re-recruit her for S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, boy. This is all under Bendis' run? All under Bendis. Jesus. And this was like 20 ish, uh, yeah, about 20 issues worth of. God, I don't remember any of this. <laughs> well, you're lucky. <laughs> I know, right? 
<laughs> You're lucky. Like, I remember being excited because I was like, oh, Dazzler's back in the fold. And then literally having the rug. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm sure every Dazzler fan feels the same way, but I'm sure Mystique fans are like, this was the greatest. And obviously, Bendis purists are going to be like, she didn't, he didn't do anything wrong. But no, so. it's no, I don't even think that. I mean, I, I, I can forgive an awful lot, but it sounds to me like he was, you know, deliberately being a dick. <laughs> You know, and 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 I got and you know me, I like I liked Bendis for what he did, but you know I also had problems with Bendis during because I felt like Bendis was really good at starting something, but he didn't have a good he wasn't always the best at finishing something. And I feel like maybe that's kind of what happened here because it was too neatly wrapped up in terms of the Dazzler Mystique thing, and then also their like rivalry is just gone. Now, yeah, it's like it it just never was a thing. Ah. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, that sucks. You can't do that. And as we're talking about it, I'm also thinking, so Bendis has this habit of like <laughs> putting women in a box. Like, look at what he did to Spider-Woman before when she was taken over by the Skrull Queen. Yeah. And then she came out stronger. And I think maybe he was trying to mimic that story. Huh, no pun intended because of a Skrull. But, <laughs> and Mystique. Actually, yeah, yeah. that's really weird now that we're talking about this. <laughs> I mean, it would be possible, but like you said, it's it's almost like he didn't he didn't follow through on any of that other stuff. So, how are you supposed to believe that he was looking to do that when there's no there's nothing to support that at all? Yeah, and then there's even a conversation with Dazzler where she says that she's like lost and doesn't know who she is. And Ugh. what? And on top of that, uh, this is going to go back to like old school Dazzler and, and like Dazzler the movie and everything. She is the last person on earth that would be a traitor to the mutants because of what happened to her and how she was outed. Mm. Why, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And I don't know if he couldn't think of a different female character to use or what the logic was behind it. But I just, it was a weird choice all around. Yeah, no, it's it does. It sounds very odd that he but it might have been that he struggled with trying to figure out a way to, like, put her in a position, no pun intended, put her in a box, but like put her in a box that would be a neat little, you know, and a neat little story to wrap up. And, you know, and then you end up just getting I'm sure he ended up getting spoken to and things changed and people change and creative minds change and all this. and. I mean, it has to be it has to be dangerous for them to to do, you know, multiple storylines or, or have like an ongoing storyline and something that could very well be different and turn bad, like real quick, you know? Right. So maybe that's what happened. But I mean, that's no, you can't. It, it sounds like it, like I said, it sounds like he has a personal vendetta against her. And well, especially because it came off of Extreme X-Men. So Greg Pak had a full understanding of who Dazzler was, wrote her very well. And then after this uncanny run, she moved over to A-Force, remember? Yes. And Kelly Thompson wrote that and had a full understanding of this character. So in the middle, yeah. you have this person that just decided to, like, obliterate her history yeah. and any of her character progression for the sake of a story that he wanted to tell. That's, I think, the issue, is it wasn't about mm. Dazzler. It was about telling this story of the X-Men being on the run, Cyclops looking like a bad guy, Mystique doing what she was doing in Madripoor with MGH. And so it was almost like, like Legos, like, oh, let's just like build it here. We're just going to sure. put it together, but it's not actually well thought out. Mm. Jesus, man, that sucks. 
Well, I guess not. Now, is there anything that you think that you could have done differently to maybe save this? Like, given, like, go up to a certain point in this storyline where you feel like it's not past the point of no return where maybe you would be able to save it. So, so I think Daz, again, the thing, one of the bigger things, the two things that stick with me that were said to Dazzler or that she said, or actually were said about her. One, the Uncle Tom the Mutants, I think is very important. And I think that that is something that should have been touched on as soon as she returned to herself. Yeah. And there should have been a conversation about Cyclops. This is why I did it. This is how I felt. This was my intention. That never happened. Yeah. Because that would have explained, like, I wasn't trying to be a traitor. I wasn't trying to do this. But it, it that kind of goes to my point earlier where, like, it just wasn't thought out. It was like, sure. throw her under the fucking bus and see what happens because it's mm. Dazzler. Um, and then the second, so, okay, so that happens. So then the other thing, I just don't think it was necessary for Mystique to call her a dirty sellout whore multiple times. No. No, because I agree. It's just such a, like... And now, you know, again, rereading it and thinking back, like, what are female readers thinking? And then what are, like, younger readers thinking of, mm. that don't even know this character and just they're going to go say this to their friends? Like, I don't like Dazzler because Mystique said this instead of, like, understanding yeah. who Dazzler actually is, which, you know, people, they can go read old books if they want. But somebody, a writer should have the wherewithal to write a character properly so that that doesn't need to happen. Right. No, I agree. No, I agree. It's also it's also kind of weird seeing dirty sellout whore in a comic in 2015. Like yeah. that's I was taking. I was yeah. like, oh, this is not like this year. This is 2015. Yeah. And so I, I will say some of the good parts were Chris Anka's art was fucking phenomenal as always, yeah. and he's the one that redesigned Dazzler's outfit. But he also did some of the interiors and other covers and then also chris boccolo's art was like to die for during that entire run when he was off and on the book mm. but um yeah so the other piece i would say with where the story could have gone different is let her beat the shit out of mystique yeah like in in j-lo in enough she doesn't just like or eye for an eye she's not just like oh, okay here's a slap on the face now you're fine she like goes all <laughs> you know yeah. like you can't yeah, she you don't have to get that down so bad, and then they just throw this woman out the window, mm -hmm. and that's it. <laughs> that's it. End of rant. <laughs> like she shot her with her power, and then also the fact that and then like, see and then said to save her at the end. You know. Yeah, like and that, well, that's also weird. the funny thing about that with the Hellfire Gala that just happened. I know you didn't read it, but yeah. Mystique literally falls out of the tallest building in hellfire bay or whatever and smashes her face on the rocks and is alive so going back to the story they did not need to save her <laughs> no right she would have been fine well and that's that's the whole thing in comics anyway is everybody always seems like they're you know th this is the is this the end of mystique and then she miraculously saves I mean, herself it's not going anywhere let's be real no well none of them are but i well, mean i just I, I just, my thing, and, and I know that I've talked to you about this before ad nauseum about like Dazzler and stuff, is I just always felt like they they tried to crowbar Dazzler in at times into stuff that just wasn't always necessary, I felt. But again, I'm not going to dump all over because 
I know that people do have like a, a special place in their heart for Dazzler. So, and I can appreciate that and I can understand, it, you know, yeah. but um, I yeah, think written well. And when she sure. like in extreme X-Men, that was a Dazzler centric story and she was written well and she led a team and yada, yada. Right. And that's fine. I think that's great. You know, so kudos to Dazzler. But then it's, it's almost like she is, some people a joke which we've talked about because then you have the hellfire gala that just happened yeah and gets ripped in half by nimrod <laughs> yeah yeah when you were, you, and and that's funny because you were not funny but you were telling me about that and you were saying how all of a sudden because i had asked you about the hellfire gala because like you said i don't you know i'm not really reading anything and you were like oh my god it was fucked up and i was like really and you were like yeah and then when you were telling me about it, I was like, Jesus Christ. So but here's And here's the difference. Looking at it, the writers that are on the books now, mm-hmm. I know, have A, an affinity for Dazzler, and B, understand the fan base better than maybe the writers did back in 2015. Yep. So, I mean, they didn't just kill Dazzler. They killed Frenzy. They killed Cannonball. They killed Jubilee. They right. killed um, Prodigy. So... These are all like fan favorites that were in part of the vote to join the team. And then they juggernaut won the vote. So he was the one survivor from the gala from that situation. But I knew when I read that, you know, and I turned that page and I saw it, of course I was like, holy shit, they just killed her again. Also, she has the power to keep coming back. So she's not actually dead. Um, But so that went through my head, but I was also like, I'm actually okay with this compared to now thinking about what Bendis did to her because I know that they have a better, there's a story coming for her and that it's going to be better and that they have a much more respectful thought for her. Yeah. And now she's going to be in that dead X-Men book that they just announced, which is spinning out of the Hellfire Gala. Hmm. And it's part of Fall of the House of X. (laughs) And so her and like that team, they're going to have to like go back in time to try to stop the Hellfire Gala. Oh, okay. So that's where we're at now. Yeah. It, but again, Dazzler is like immortal. She, if she dies, she keeps coming back. So, which is really kind of weird. Like, but don't they all come back now? Like, isn't that the big thing? And I'm not talking like just, oh, don't know, people come back. Right. No, I know what you mean. So, yes and no. The, the resurrection protocols were in place with Krakoa, but now that Krakoa is gone, the assumption mm-hmm. is that resurrection protocols are gone as well, but there's a bigger story happening. I don't want to spoil it for people that haven't read, but yeah. two of those people that died, Cannonball and Dazzler, are technically immortal slash external, depending who the writer oh. is and what has gone on. And Dazzler has died no less than, I think, three or four times at this point and come back. And part of the story is always like, how do you keep doing this? And she's like, I have no fucking clue. So I hope they're, they're going to play <laughs> on that and take it deeper but even if they don't she's back and that's all that i care about (laughs) wow okay um well i mean that's that is a marvel mutation and i mean i didn't i mean i knew kind of that you were going to do in x-men because i know that's your favorite group and story and book and all that but uh i could have probably put some money that you were going to do dazzler but you never know because i know that there's a lot of x-men stories over the years that you haven't liked (laughs) (laughs) yeah but this one really uh, no 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 this is yeah that's this is this is like an abomination uh to to do that to a character for yeah and i would love no payoff 
that's what it is. There was no payoff. So what? She got a new costume. Yeah. Like she didn't kill the villain. She didn't. She didn't end up on an X Men team because well, she wound up on A Force. But like, it was just a weird. No, it's weird totally thing. weird. Yeah, it's totally weird. I agree with you completely. I think it's 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 messed up. It's messed and I would up. love Bendis to do some sort of interview where he explains his logic. <laughs> Good luck with that. Because maybe we're missing something. Maybe there was, or maybe it was, because I know he was, he wrote up to X Uncanny 600. And I know there was like rumors and stuff, whether he wanted to continue or was asked to leave or whatever. So maybe there were bigger plans oh, for her, but. It, it's possible. But what happened that's what I'm to her? Saying, like, that's what I'm saying is they always talk, you know, you, you always hear people talking about like the bullpen and just like the things that go around and. How many times have we seen like a, a character just be something and then all of a sudden it's just like it goes fucking nowhere and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it, it, it's I've seen that before where like a storyline just stops <laughs> when uh, <laughs> remember when. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, God, what's his name? Oh, God. Uh, why am I forgetting his name? The guy that was happy. Um, John Favreau. Was yeah. gonna write that Tony Stark that Iron Man versus oh, two issues come out. Don't you have? Didn't you have those? I do, and it's like two of the only two issues, and it was like a five issue thing, and it was like only two issues came out, and I was like, "What the hell?" It's <laughs> like, "Why is this happening?" It's, so it, it is interesting. Like other character assassination type things that I can think of are it's always my favorite characters. Now that I'm thinking about this, Firestar and Justice are two examples of that. Mm-hmm. Where they mm-hmm. like. Firestar has gotten so much hate. Granted, that's turning around now again because of the new Hellfire Gala. But when she was part of the fan vote last year to join the X-Men, people were rabid attacking her, calling her a cop and saying that she was anti-mutant as a mutant. Mm. She didn't believe in Krakoa and all this stuff. And then, you know, Justice is similar where also they used to be on the New Warriors and they were together. They are no longer together. And so it's interesting that they both have kind of gone down these weird paths that people don't know what to do with them, just like yeah. that. But he wound up working for Avengers Initiative, which was great. And then right before COVID happened, there was a story with Ms. Marvel and the champions. And it was kind of like a civil war, but it was about the teen heroes. Do you remember that? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. that. There was this group called Cradle, which, come on. Um, and they were tasked with bringing in the teen heroes. And Justice was one of them. And it's like, he was a teen hero. He went through this. He went to jail for killing his homophobic father for beating the living shit out of him. He is not somebody who's going to, like, try to stop kids from doing the right thing. Right. I could go on with this, too. <laughs> you could go on with that, too. Yeah. It's good, Just though. Ridiculous. Sure. I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. So, <laughs> justice. Um, yeah, no, that's when. What was that? Like, what years was that? Which, with the justice and the teen for like all that. What that was, was that? That was like 2020 because it happened mm. right as COVID was happening. So the whole story got it started and then it got stopped because remember all books stopped being printed. Yep, and then the bullpen editorial had to like pull it back and say like, okay, how are we going to like redo this? Because now we have a different timeline for books. I mean, the same thing happened to X-Men with X of swords, 10 of swords, the whole story changed and the characters that were involved, all of it 
got completely reworked and this yeah. was a similar thing but it just felt so rushed and it was like yeah we'll just make justice in charge of trying to like arrest these kids and uh stupid uh remember when justice was on like uh what was he on well he was on the new warriors but remember when um when they the did like, yeah the avengers and everything that was great mm -hmm. i remember that that was a good cradle that's a stupid name uh, yeah <laughs> Whole, that, actually, that whole story was it was like we already saw civil war we don't need this with kids yeah what was what did do you know what cradle stood for or uh, do they never say wait, that hold on let me look it up please because i know like remember how, like remember like hammer never had a remember hammer never had an like it was an acronym but they never gave you the reason for hammer yeah so this was child hero reconnaissance and disruption law enforcement <laughs> the most that is such a friggin'. I mean, that is such a shield acronym, though. You know, like that's exactly yeah. what that is. So, oh yeah, and the story was outlawed. That's what it was. Ah, uh, outlawed. That makes sense. And it was the Kamala Act or whatever. Oh, so stupid. Oh God, really? Yeah. Ugh. Because they thought that she died. Yep. Oh God, I remember that now. Oh yeah, yeah. Kamala's law. That's what it is. It's right here. Kamala's law. And now Kamala Kamala Harris. Kamala is um what's her name? Kamala Khan. Kamala Khan. Marvel. Oh yeah, okay. So Cradle consisted of Justice, Carolina Washington, Jake O, Dum Dum Dugan, Speedball, and Time Slip. Oh, Speedball. And so three of these people were new warriors. This wow. is not this was not something they would have done. No. Especially Speedball. Penance. Remember when he was penance? Yeah. I remember when he when he came back and he as speedball too. Yeah. And he was like okay kind of again like he was, you know, he wasn't as cuz penance was like the worst. Like he was just like well cuz he caused the civil war. I know well, he did, but he did but he did. Well, it is I mean to him he caused the civil war. Yeah. 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 Now I miss time slip. Now that we're talking about her, she was a great character until she's evolved nice. in cradle. Time slip. What happened? Did she die at the end of at Cradle? Or I don't even. Hold on, let me see. I'm looking this up <laughs> as a talker. I don't know. Uh, no, it doesn't. Nothing says so. That's like this is not. It really went nowhere. Speaking of stories that went nowhere, this whole Cradle thing just was like boop. Yeah. Remember, the, remember the hope that the after after Civil War we were going to get fifty books for every state. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Instead, we got fifty covers. <laughs> we did. We had, we had like three books, but I remember like the random books or the random teams that would pop. Like they didn't even do like a fifty state team. Like that would have been awesome if like at least they introduced like fifty teams. They kind of did in the initiative. They did talk about most, if not all of them, and they showed like four members. Did in they? I don't remember yeah. that. I'd have, go, I'd have to go back and look at that issue. Again. Yeah, because like Cloud Nine, all of them were in different. The Great Lakes Avengers, like they were yeah. all part of different. Yeah, yeah, like different areas of the, you know. And then what was just the Mighty Avengers was the one in New York. Yes. That was Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. At the, or was she Miss Marvel? She at that point was Ms. Marvel. Mi Miss or Ms. I don't Ms. remember. MS. Just like the current. MS. Yeah, but what's Kamala? MS. Oh, okay. So she's always been Ms. Marvel. Yes. Also, she's a mutant now, by the way. Well, she's a mutant in the oh, in the book too. Yeah, so they killed oh. her in Spider-Man, and now 
they brought her back and she's a mutant. She's a mutant inhuman hybrid. Yeah, but she was, but they said something at the end of the Ms. Marvel uh, Disney Plus movie show. Yes, well, they had the theme song. Yeah, that they and they were like, oh, we realize that there's some kind of a mutation. And yeah, and then they did. Na, 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 na. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's cool, though. I, I mean, know, I'm actually okay because originally, too, she was supposed to be a mutant, but it was when, oh, the, remember that when the Inhumans took over everything? Yeah. Yeah. Marvel wouldn't use the mutants. So it that was, was why she was, it was synergy. It, synergy. Yeah. yeah synergy. But, now, speaking of kind of shifting to television slash movies, are you excited for the, the Marvels show? I'm beyond excited. Yeah. I mean, it's, Brie Larson, who I love, and Captain mm -hmm. Marvel, who I love, and then you have Goose, <laughs> just lurking. Um, and then I love Kamala and I love Monica. So I'm actually, it's like it is a bunch. The movie's made for me, basically. I'm excited for it. Uh, I think it'll be a fun movie come the holiday season that everybody can go and check out. Uh, I'm, I'm glad not okay with it being like the shortest one in Marvel's history. We don't need two and a half hour movies every time. Oh, is it really going to only run like 90 minutes or a little? Yeah, longer? like maybe a little over. Oh, cool. Well, that's good. No, I'm glad. I'm I'm excited for this. Uh, I think that the, uh, you know, part of, I think, phase five it has, or is phase five, is this the first of phase five? <laughs> I believe. Yeah, because I think phase four. Ant-Man was the start, right? Of phase four? No. no phase yeah, phase five is Ant-Man. Yeah. Oh, so we've had Ant-Man, Guardians, then this. And then it's supposed to be Deadpool 3 and then Brave okay. New World, Thunderbolts, and then Blade. That's at least what they have for the films. If Blade even happened. Um, well, I don't see why not. Why not? Well, I mean, they reworking it. And then you saw what happened with Daredevil. They fired the writers. Yeah. So, okay, that's somewhere. <laughs> what i heard and and it's funny like all the rumors coming out for deadpool 3 of like who's gonna be in it and who's not gonna it's well there just... did you see who's rumored to be in it that i would enjoy jennifer garner no taylor swift as dazzler oh really yeah oh, i didn't see that oh that's a lot that's a riot so they're finally gonna go with that so she, she was that? she was supposed to be an x-men apocalypse and then that got cut yeah and then they replaced her with uh Halston Sage. Oh yeah, for that blip in that movie yeah. we don't talk about. We don't talk about Dark Phoenix. Like, <laughs> what was that? The movie that shall not be named. I mean, <laughs> again, it's another weird thing with the X-Men movies because what happened to Jean at the end of da Dark Phoenix? Like, in your opinion, what happens to her at the end? Um, I'm trying to remember because I kind of blacked that movie out. What did happen to her? Like, she kind of, like, I think she, I mean, for lack of a better word, I think she died, you know? Or that she just, like, disappeared, you know? <laughs> like, according to Wikipedia, Vuk, again, Vuk, or it has to be Vuk, right? V-U-K, Vuk. Who the Jessica Chastain, Chastain yeah. So, Vuk, again, attempts to drain the force from Jean, who flies them into space to unleash all of her power and kill Vuk. Jean then transforms into a phoenix-shaped being of energy. What and then it's like... The story. And then you see at the end, it's like... Yeah, at the end... It's funny, they call it Jean Grey School for Gifted Youngsters. Yeah. Um, well, it was that, remember? 
in Wolverine and the X-Men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he reopened it. Yeah. After the 15th million time that the school was destroyed. Yeah. Uh, Charles retires as Dean with Hank taking his place. In Paris, Charles is surprised at a cafe by Eric, who invites him to a game of chess while a flaming phoenix appears high in the sky. That's why I'm like, I don't understand how these movies tie into the later movies because it, it, it just made zero sense because Gene's in the later movies. <laughs> yeah. Well, Days of Future Past did a good job of like fixing that stuff. and then... It did, yes. And that I liked. And then Apocalypse was okay. Mm. It was okay. It had good parts like Olivia Munn as Psylocke. I don't know who you're talking about. Oh my God. <laughs> also, I well, I always like to broadcast my fan casting for Dazzler, by the way. And not that I don't think Taylor Swift would do a good job, but I would love to see either Ingrid Andress or Maisie Peters in the role. And who are both of them? Ingrid Andress is like a pop country artist that is good right now. Um, and she has... <laughs> There's a video that she did called Wishful Drinking, and she's basically dressed like Dazzler. So there's that. And then Maisie Peters is this like British pop. She's like the British Taylor Swift, basically. Um, and she's mm -hmm. amazing. So you think it has to be like a singer songwriter? Kind I of do, because you can't have Dazzler not sing. And it, it would just make sense if it's a singer that mm -hmm. can also act or an actor that can sing. Hmm. We don't need a voiceover. We don't need, like, just get somebody who can do both. What if there was, like, I mean, if it's Taylor Swift, if Taylor Swift did it. The dad is going to be in every book made for the rest of time. <laughs> yeah, if Taylor Swift actually did appear in Deadpool, even if it was a cameo mm -hmm. or, like, a little bit better than a cameo, that would be huge. And that would make the movie probably the best of like reception received movie out of all of them because like everybody would go see it you know right even though it's rated r and ridiculous why who cares if it's rated r well no but like little oh. tween girls that can taylor swift actually be in a rated r movie yeah she can do what she wants she's an adult she is a she is an agent of herself mystique did not take her out and replace her <laughs> That's a question I always have is why why did why did the movie versions of Mystique always be walk around naked? I never understood that. <laughs> you know? Because it was easier transition for special effects. Well, that's the funny thing is that like she makes full clothes, which is always I thought was weird, you know? Yeah. But anyway. It's definitely a choice. Anyway. Huh? Well, and then when they made her look like that in the comics too, and it was like, do we need to do this? Does she need to look like a, a fish woman? official scaly woman yeah uh early well, 2000s when they started to redo all that um so getting back to the marvels um do you think that it's so who's the who's the villain that she's gonna face so the villain is like the replacement for ronan the accuser the kree replacement yeah it's dar darben yeah and she's pissed because i guess somehow the three marvels are tied to like her family or her planet dying. Hmm. Oh, okay. So well, she wants cool. revenge, hmm. which, you know, I would too. Sure. We all want revenge. <laughs> Not Dazzler. Apparently. No, Dazzler's okay with letting bygones be bygones. <laughs> For so. the sake of the students. Yeah. She's like, I don't want everybody to know how bad it is. I mean, 
You're absolutely right, though. She should have been like, no, no, no. This is what happened when you fuck with the bull. You know, you fuck around and then found out. Like, yeah. Mystique fucked around and now she's going to find out. I mean, she could shoot her arm off. She would grow it back. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. She could have. Yeah. She could have done heavy damage to that woman to make she a point. She could have done something. Like, she could have plugged up her twat and then that would have come oh, back geez. again. You know? <laughs> Not that. That's in that that's in that Batman book. Remember that, that Batman? What? what was it? Batman Black or Black Batman? Remember oh, the one where, they, where they show his peen? Yeah, remember that? What was that book called? Black uh, Batman. It was Black, Black Label Batman. Batman. Black Label Batman. But what it, what is this weird thing you're saying? I'm saying if you if they had done like a X-Men Black Label, she could have done something to her vajidge. No, that's not no. But now you sound like Bendis. No, kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that just about wraps it up for uh, Marvel Mutation. Jeremy, thank you so much. Jeremy, is there anything you want to plug? I mean, I know you have a, an X page, formerly known as Twitter. I know you're very active on that, as I'm always very jealous that every time you tweet out... I mean, look, at you're getting banned by Bendis. You have... oh, I was also just blocked on Instagram by Lisa Barlow from the Housewives of Salt Lake City. Yeah, <laughs> see, like you're always getting blocked by people, and then famous people retweet your things and like your shit, and so I'm always very jealous of your uh, online presence because it seems that you get a lot more things than everybody else does. So, Well, the key is to be yourself on any social media platform. Yeah. And I would hope that this audio of me is the same, that, you know what I mean, that it's just coming across. Sure. As well, man. And I, um, I, I understand that you do have a, a store of some sorts that people yeah. can buy merchandise from. Some fun, some fun designs that I created. Mm -hmm. Um. It is Starpig Designs. Oh. And it is starpig.threadless.com. Mm. And uh, yeah, they're fun. They are mostly geared towards LGBTQ plus folks, but we, of course, want allies to wear them and understand them and support them. Sure. Uh, there's also actually a fun Big Brother one I just made about. Bowie Jane. So if you're watching season 25, you'll understand fucking Bowie Jane. So you should buy that shirt. <laughs> um, okay. And then also, so Instagram at starpig.instagram.com. I don't know, just starpig designs on Instagram. Yeah, and then sure. um, also, I'm Germ Likes Pie on all social. Mm -hmm. So if you want to follow me and see my yelling at people about how Dazzler's mistreated, or sure. also I'm a horror movie freak. So if this month yeah. i've been watching a ton um you can see my whatever movies i'm watching i always post and then i'll like give a rating and mm -hmm. you know. we actually uh my friend and i just watched uh my friend jenny jenny from the jenny position uh we actually did for freak out drive-in which is this month of october uh which you should check out freak out drive-in on the north south connection because under the jenny position because it's it's great and we actually did uh probably the worst freak out drive-in watch along because we watched totally killer the new one from um that's on amazon prime yes so i was gonna say that's a movie that handled time travel very well yes and honestly we were like engrossed in the in the movie it was i thought it, i gave it 4.5 oh my five. god it was fantastic i was like this movie's fantastic like it was i thought it was great and that's why i said and it's so funny because i was thinking about and I'm kind of like spoiling this because I don't think this will drop before that does. So you'll hear it. But I was like, yeah, everybody should uh, watch this along with us because 
there's times where like I go to say something and then I just stop talking like in the middle of a sentence because something <laughs> something really cool happened on the screen. And uh and and I was like, I say that at the end of the podcast, so it's like no one's gonna go back and watch the movie and listen to the podcast again. So I think when she sends it out as, hey, check out Freak Out Driving, I'm going to say like, hey, everybody, you should watch the movie with us because it's really, it was really good. I really liked it. So um, I also, I thought that they handled the 80s perfectly. Like, I don't think there's been a movie recently or a show that has fully captured the yes audacity of the 80s yeah. and what? even the comp- comparison of 2023 to the 80s. Like her reaction, everything was priceless. Yeah. And not to give, and well, one of the big things with time travel is that they always try to, or not even time travel, but like period piece movies like that is they try to cram in shit that wouldn't make sense mm-hmm. chronologically. Uh, I mean, I think like there's a, there's a thing where I think it's in the wedding singer where like mm-hmm. Christine Taylor's like trying to solve a Rubik's cube and she's like, Oh, no one will ever solve that. And it's like, by the time that, the, by the time that movie is is supposed to be in, like, let's say it's like 1986 or something like that. It's like no one was playing with a Rubik's Cube anymore. Yeah. And that's where it's like one of the things that I always get aggravated whenever you see a movie about the 70s or the 80s or even the 90s now, where it's like they're putting things together that just never would have gone together. Yeah. And, you know, and it's like that's not how it works. So they didn't do that in this movie. It was like they really didn't even cram in a ton of 80s references either, which was kind of cool. But you're absolutely right. Like, not to spoil anything because it's not really spoiling anything. But, like, at one point she goes into the school in 1987 to, like, look for, like, her mother. And she's, like, trying to come up with this, like, convoluted reason <laughs> to find out where her mother is. And the, the school secretary is, like, she's in an English 11. <laughs> like, she's just, like wow the 80s are whack <laughs> it was just, and it's so true it's just that's how things were back then i mean i tried to play on she asked something similar and then the i think it's the same woman she's like this isn't fort knox yeah and it's like i try to explain to my nephew all the time i'm like things were different back then <laughs> like nobody like gave, the unwanted nobody, touching thing when they're like what is wrong with you yeah like nobody gave a shit back then <laughs> like, yeah um wait there was something else i was gonna say about just totally lost about i'm sorry totally killer time travel mm-hmm. the 80s mm-hmm. no it's gone but everybody should watch that movie because it's it was it's gone. it also should have been in theaters i don't know why they didn't push it to theaters um yeah that is a good question i don't know why i mean i felt like it it could have been it could have had a run like a limited run but then again i mean it's kind of cool that they did do it as just a you know a streaming only kind of thing and i mean i'm sure hopefully a lot of people watched it and it got some good press and i mean it had julie bowen kicking ass yeah i mean it was awesome like i said it was a great movie so kieran shipka being kieran and shipka oh is that the main girl yeah i love her she's yeah and every yeah yeah jenny jenny was like oh she was in mad men and i was like i've never seen mad men she was in sabrina Mm. so check it out all right. Well, thank you, Jeremy, so much. I appreciate it. It was um, a lot of fun to talk to you. And I hope to have you on again one day where we talk about something other than comic book related. Oh, not more Dazzler love. You can talk about Dazzler all you want. but Maybe you know, maybe Drag Race love. Get you. Um, on how about no? All right. <laughs> thank you so much. And I will talk to you later, buddy. All right. Bye. Okay.
Haggis, beautiful, bemused, bellicose butcher, untrusting, unknowing, unlove, Ed. screams into the night air like a fireman going to a window that has no fire. Except the passion of his heart. I am lonely. It's really hard. This poem sucks. Okay, everybody, I want to I want to welcome in at this time my guest, a returning champion to a la carte with Keithy. Uh, and the reason why I say returning champion is because he definitely was a superstar, hit a grand slam home run, if and I think so, in his last appearance on this show. Of course, I am talking about the incomparable, my best friend in the whole wide world. And I know I say that about everybody, but he is one man that I love and I would kill people for and die in traffic for and of course i'm talking about boston chris uh chris how are you today i'm wonderful you're too kind keithy that was uh, oh, a very I nice try. introduction once well again. thank you i try to I be everybody's it. friend I, oh thank you i try to be everybody's friend here because you never know when i'm gonna have to borrow money from somebody so <laughs> you know um but i do want to say that we are having we're actually gonna do a we're gonna have a return segment for you because we had an amazing discussion the last time we did this. And, of course, we're talking about Rotten Rewrite. Uh, I think that you and I last talked about Howard the Duck. And I think we made Howard the Duck palatable to an even wider audience. Of course, because we followed rule number one for you, which was don't hire pedophiles to be in the movie. Exactly. That was <laughs> rule one. And I think our discussion about Robin Williams supposedly being the original voice for Howard mm -hmm. the Duck, uh, and then maybe having, if they had kept that, or as I said, suggested we should replace them with Sean Connery. I think that would have been a good idea. <laughs> but um, nevertheless, we're here to talk about a new movie. And I think you and I have talked offline about how Rotten Rewrite is not just talking shit about a movie that was considered bad by the critics, quote unquote, on Rotten Tomatoes. But more or less, it's us talking about a movie that we love, or at least a movie that we enjoyed growing up, and how it would be something that is, even though the critics say it's bad, we have a certain love for this movie, so we may be able to give a better understanding of how it could be more palatable to the people out there. That's right. And we, we yeah. set the bar a little... Uh... Higher or lower this time? Uh, uh, a think, little higher. I guess it's a, little, a little higher. higher. Um, yeah, yeah a, a much better rated film. Uh, Would you like to tell one. everybody the movie that we're going to be talking about? Uh, sure. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's a movie dear to my heart. Uh, I've watched it many times in my life. I uh, I always say I'm proud to be one of the probably 11 or so people that paid money <laughs> to see it in the movie theater. 
and it is 1993's So I Married an Axe Murderer, mm. starring uh, SNL's Mike Myers and Nancy Travis, yeah. uh, Anthony LaPaglia, Alan Arkin. Uh, there's a whole suite of just wonderful guest people that show up. Uh, yeah, and it's currently rated 53% on the tomato meter, so it's it's rotten, uh, but yes. it's much higher than the 14 or 16% that Howard the Duck held. Mm-hmm. I haven't checked that since our uh, since our last time around. I, I, I wonder if maybe uh, anybody heard it and it's, you know, um, I it's mean, gone I, up since then. Uh, it's a good question. I wonder. I, I wonder if it is. I mean, let's take a quick peek here. Howard the Duck. What did you say it was before? Do you remember? I think it was like 14%. Uh, well, it looks like it's gone down. It's now 13%. So apparently some people <laughs> it, it, went in and <laughs> some people went in and said, I listened to a podcast where these two assholes talked about this movie and it's, it's this movie. Yeah. Shit. yeah <laughs> no, I, guess, I, I, yeah. I still think it's, I think it's one of those things where even though people may have listened to this and I did get feedback from our last episode where people did say that we made a lot of sense I just think that it's one of those things. Wow. No one. Yeah. <laughs> well, Thank I just think, I, I don't think, well, I don't think anybody's going to go in. I don't think anybody's going to go. It's kind of like how no one really go, leaves good Yelp reviews. <laughs> it's like you only leave bad true. Yelp reviews. So Very I think true. that, uh, yeah, I think no one's going in to change Howard the Duck. I, although, you know what? I'll be honest. I didn't even go and give it a good review. So, you know, I should go in and give it a hundred percent just to see if I can see, see what can raise it up there. But so I'm an axe murderer. The first thing I want to say about this film is you are correct when you said it has like a lot of uh, like special cameos, I guess, or for lack lack of a better word, cameo. But like, man, there's a lot of heavy hitters in here. And and, and actually, it, you know, in kind of doing a little bit of research for this conversation, um, there were quite a few other people that uh, the filmmakers tried to get that they couldn't get and that, really? you know, wanted to be in it, that couldn't be in it. But uh, the gist I got of it was that all of the, a lot of the people that kind of have little cameos were, they really just wanted to work with Mike Myers, which is, oh. is interesting because I mean, some of them are Oscar winners. We'll get into that, but yeah. Um, you know, just, you know, kind of like very popular comedic people, um, that were, you know, very successful at the time Yeah, and they just wanted to be in this because of Mike Myers and, you know, he was kind of fresh off of Wayne's World and, you know, he was still on SNL at the time. He took a break to, to film this movie and, you know, he was one of the one of the, the big guns at the time. I mean, oh, which is absolutely. weird because I I mean, this is before Shrek, which if you listen to the last podcast, I, I still haven't seen it. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, but, but you know, it, it is it's funny because, I mean, Wayne's World was huge. I mean, it's probably the best adapted movie I know Blues Brothers, everybody loves Blues Brothers, and Blues Brothers, I think, is critically acclaimed. But as far as, like, uh, Moneymaker, I think Wayne's World is probably the biggest of the adapted skits from Saturday Night Live. Uh, I I would agree with that. That's probably close to accurate, if not accurate. Yeah, I mean, the only other movie I would think that would come close would, would have been Blues Brothers. But again, I don't think Blues Brothers was... I don't think Blues Brothers was as big of a hit when it was in the theaters. I think it ended up becoming like a major, like cult classic kind of thing afterwards. Oh, but and movies cost like two bucks to go to back then. Exactly, but I mean, <laughs> aside from that, I mean, so Wayne's World—he's a household name. Mike Myers is a household name at this point. Like you said, he was at the time he was probably one of the biggest 
actors on Saturday Night Live at the time. Um, he hadn't left yet either, which is kind of different because most of the time when they go to like start starring in movies, which he did, you know, two years later when he went and did Austin or four years later, excuse me, when he did Austin Powers, they usually leave like Will Ferrell left and then became a big you know movie star. Adam Sandler left, became a big movie star. Chevy Chase left, became a big movie star. So Sandler was still kind of I mean, Sandler, Mike Myers was kind of still just. You know, still holding on to his day job, I guess, while he was doing his night job here. You, you know, and and looking at the, I'm looking at the SNL cast from 1993 right now, and it's, I think it's a lot of people who I, I guess I didn't realize were still there, and then people that were already there, like Ellen Cleghorn, Julius, oh, Julius Sweeney, I guess, because that was right kind of during her sweet spot. Yeah. But um, Dan Aykroyd was not. Uh, a cast member in 1993 that no. can't be right no maybe he hosted right. once or google twice. google lies um yeah but you know rob schneider tim meadows uh, and looking at this list um it looks like only phil hartman made it into soy matter married an axe murderer mm. um and even yeah, that wasn't like... a even that wasn't <laughs> a given um, no but he has one of the best <laughs> He has one of the best scenes in the well, movie. Yeah, and and I I kind of did some like you know creative googling, and a <laughs> lot of it's from IMDb. But yeah, um, I kind of had some notes on the the characters and who they you know were looking at to okay. be those characters. Oh, nice. Yeah, and uh, okay. John Johnson, also yeah. known as you know everyone as, here as calls Vicky. me Vicky. <laughs> um, uh, originally, you, you're gonna love this if you if you don't know, uh, Gary Busey. <laughs> was originally supposed to be Vicky. <laughs> and uh Phil Hartman was going to be the police captain. Uh which eventually you know went to Alan Arkin, who was That's uncredited. Amazing. Uh which I, I found great. I, I didn't realize that either. Uh, Alan Arkin is uncredited in this movie. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, and then when they told Phil Hartman that Alan Arkin was in talks to be the police captain, uh he asked if he could be Vicky instead. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh mike myers apparently also wanted leslie nielsen to be vicky oh sure um which could have been great i feel like that could have been just as good as phil hartman absolutely uh, if, if not any better you know yeah i mean the but, only reason uh, it would have been better is because just although i don't know that's a good that's actually a really good thought because both of them have such a good deadpan delivery absolutely yeah, so I don't know if I would want anybody other than Vicky, other than Phil Hart, <laughs> the late great Phil Hartman, the late great. I mean, Debbie Mazars in this. Film. <laughs> it's just the amount of people that are in this movie is so stupid. Like it's just yeah, so it's it's really great. And yeah, um, going back to Alan Arkin, uh, he is one of the Oscar winners that I mentioned yes. because yes. Uh, do you know how many Oscar winners are in this movie? A little bit of trivia uh, for you. I'm gonna say. I know two right off the bat, and I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that's on here. I don't think there's anybody. I don't know if there's anybody you're, else that's in here. Is it two? If you look at if you look at the cast, you're never going to guess it. Yeah. Uh, oh, is there actually, like some people that won like other Oscars or something? Or no? there's actually three Oscar winners in this film. Okay. This again, magnum opus. Um, Alan Arkin, who yep. won his Oscar for Tell Little Miss Sunshine. Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah. And then who was the other one that you came up with? 
Oh, Brenda Fricka, who Brenda won Fricka. Best Supporting Actress for My Left Foot, I think, right? Exactly, absolutely. Yeah. And actually, uh, something about her, um, she uh, was referred to the film by Chris Columbus, ah. who had just directed her in Home Alone 2. <laughs> and they were trying to cast the role of May. And uh, yeah, so Chris Columbus basically had the option of directing either this movie or Mrs. Doubtfire. And he picked Mrs. Doubtfire. I think that's a which wise I think that decision. was a that was a good move. Um that mostly was a very because, wise he, decision. Yes. because he wanted to work with Robin Williams, you know, just like everybody uh, on the everybody yeah. in the cast of Howard the Duck. Um oh. and he, he he picked Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he recommended Brenda Fricker for the role of May because he had directed her in Home Alone 2. Sure. Um, and then the rest is history. I mean, she didn't win an Oscar for, for uh, so married and ex-murderer. No, obviously. she certainly didn't. I wonder if she brought her Oscar with her on the set. <laughs> I don't know. I Probably not. <laughs> Highly unlikely. Um, um, so who's and the, then who's the there, is a, there is a third Oscar winner in this movie, and he plays the role of the pilot. Stephen Wright? Boston's own Stephen Wright had won an Oscar, and I did not know this, uh, and I'm, again, the things you find out. Uh, he won an Oscar for a, a short film in 1989 <laughs> called The Appointments of Dennis Jennings. Good Lord. Um, which, if you look it up, the cast is, like, unbelievable. Um, really? Yeah, I looked it up today, and I was kind of blown away <laughs> by it. Uh, it's a 1988, 29-minute-long, you know, short film uh, with Rowan Atkinson. Oh my God, I'm looking at this right now. Laurie Metcalf, David Seriously? Hyde Pierce, uh, Mike Starr. If you anybody knows Mike Starr, oh yeah, Mike Starr, the great Mike. I Star. think anybody that saw him would know who Mike Starr was. He was mm-hmm. uh, Frenchie and Goodfellas, and yep, the clown and Uncle Buck. Yep. <laughs> Wow. But yeah, um, so there's three Oscar winners, which I found kind of amazing. So, you know, you get some good acting chops in the movie. They were trying to do something right. Two two already Oscar winners, yeah. too. Yes. Like, it's not yes. like they all won their Because Brenda Fricker and Stephen Wright would have already won their Oscars coming into this. Yep. Wow. I mean, that's amazing for, for a... a, a I don't know what you call this, an awkward movie? I mean, it's a comedy. It is a comedy, but it's... Oh, it's it's 100% comedy, but it's it's, it's it's black comedy. It is black comedy, but it's a weird kind of... It's a weird tale, almost, because, you know, you have... I and I love Nancy Travis. I really do. Like I love Nancy Travis. I just, it was like, I think one of the, one of the first things I will say that I think that may have hurt this movie was Mike Myers playing his dad as well. Oh, hold your tongue. Well, and well, hear me out. And I think it's because while it adds the best parts of the comedy, it's like weird. You know what I mean? It's kind of like just an odd, like, you know, it's a precursor to fat bastard. It is. And I think that, yeah, and and when you go and you see him in in Austin Powers and stuff, you can see where he gets it. But it's just it's kind of odd. Like I feel like if they had maybe added another person to be his dad to kind of match with Brenda Fricker, maybe. Sure. So do you, I don't do you know. know the backstory I mean, I there? Know. Well, go ahead. Do you know the backstory you... there? They, they they apparently were you know 
casting and they were originally planning on having another actor and then I guess when they did the first table read they didn't have anybody yet so Mike Myers just kind of read read the part and then everyone was like oh wow you could do that um you know three and a half hours of makeup but sure you could do that yeah um the first choice for Stuart McKenzie any mm-hmm. any guess you, oh. you already you, you already said his name today I did Robin right, Williams no nope. Scottish Scottish oh Sean Connery <laughs> God. now see that uh, wouldn't have worked at all like but Sean he, Connery but he, but he was he was he was booked he already he was on some other movie but I think he was actually interested in it which is fun- like that's great to me has Sean like, Connery he didn't just ever say been no. in a comedy that's I mean I know the question. I know the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was supposed to be an action movie but it ended up being really funny oh uh, yeah I saw. That I don't movie. know if he. I don't know. I did too. Did you see it in the theaters though? That's the big I, question. I went to the premiere of that movie. Oh boy! Um, <laughs> I've told you that story. Somebody when should was, give you their money back. <laughs> when I was living in Las Vegas, I actually I didn't meet Sean Connery, but I was four feet from Sean Connery. Uh, he came up the escalator after the movie, and so basically we were. Um, I, know. I know. We were at the Venetian. Yeah. In Las Vegas for the premiere. And um, Sarah, you know, through work, they had like a lottery because they had a set of tickets to give away and Sarah won this lottery. So the, the two of us got to go. Mm-hmm. And the way that it was set up was we were in like this, I think it was like a bar, but it was like one of those big, like it was like a club yeah. in the Venetian. And they had it set up to, you know, project the film way out on one wall. And then up in the balcony was all the famous people. And like, that was like where all they were. And then all of us plebes were down, you know, in the lower level. Yeah. So we were sitting, uh, you know, being an AV nerd, I was, we were sitting right over by the the sound guys Mm. and I heard they were, they were talking to each other. And uh, if you've seen the movie, part of it, like it's, they're in Venice. Yeah. So they were telling the story and they were like, oh yeah, like. Uh, we were talking about the premiere and they were talking about where to have it. And, you know, the producers were like, uh, whoa, we should go to the Venetian in Las Vegas. That would be great. And, you know, we could have it wherever. And Sean Connery said, why don't we just go to Venice? <laughs> and, you know, honestly, they should have had the premiere in Venice. Like, why not? They were already there yeah. filming the movie. They just decided to go to, you know, the Venice sure. of the, the West. Yeah. Um, so yeah and uh but yeah i saw it there i haven't seen it since and uh yeah that's the only time i've ever been to a movie premiere even though and that's a that's a great premiere to go to i mean it's such a bad movie it's that you know what it's bad but it's not (laughs) it's bad i'm not i'll have to watch it again it's not it's not good i mean it's (laughs) i'm trying not to i'm trying not to dump on it i mean it has its moments um, it's a shame that that's really like his last movie. Uh, but I mean, yeah, he never really, you know, he, he never really did anything that was like a straight comedy. I feel like, I mean, he was always kind of like chuckly and, you know, when he, in all the movies he does, like, he's kind of like, especially when he was bond, he kind of had, you know, a little bit of a, that swagger of just like mm-hmm. a little bit of a joke, but no, the guy never really did a comedy. You know, a lot of shit that I think would, people would laugh at, but you know, like Dragonheart, remember Dragonheart? <laughs> well, I mean, he did give us one of the first um, 
like viral moments. And yeah, you're the man now, dog. Shit. You're the man now, dog. You're the man now, dog. I just so, remember that looping and looping and looping. Oh yeah. Um, um, well, I will say that even though I know I upset you by saying I think him playing his dad was just weird. It was just. I, I, I think it would have maybe I think people weren't ready for that, which is funny because four years later, everybody was loving the fact that he played Dr. Evil and Austin Powers. And then exactly. But then if you remember, like once and maybe it was because just the movie itself wasn't that good. But when he started when he was gold member, so he was gold member, fat bastard, Dr. Evil, Austin Powers, like yep. he was four characters in that fucking movie. He was at <laughs> least four in that fucking movie. <laughs> I haven't seen yeah. that movie in a hundred years. Um, speaking of Goldmember, um, Michael Caine was also they asked they asked Michael they offered Michael Caine the role of Stuart McKenzie. Wow. and he said no. What? Um, That's the movie Michael Caine turned down. But he <laughs> but he played uh, but he played Austin Powers' dad nine years yeah, later. So. The guy the guy was in Jaws: The Revenge, and, that, <laughs> and this is the movie he turned down. He he, he might have had something else going on. Um, Anthony Hopkins said no because he didn't like all the jokes about British royalty, mm, <laughs> which I sure. found great because I, when I was watching the movie the other day, um, when Charlie and Harriet go to the Mackenzie's house for dinner, yeah. uh, Charlie goes to the bathroom almost immediately and he shuts the door and there's a dartboard on the back of the door and it's got, and it's got a picture of the queen on it, <laughs> which I thought was so great. Um, uh, they also had a beer fridge in their living room, which I thought was awesome. Just yeah. randomly saw that, and I thought that was great. I wonder if um, I wonder if those are like Scottish like things, you know, like in Scottish households, like in Scotland, they have like a beer fridge in the, you know, like how Americans have a wine yeah. fridge. Possibly, um, yeah, that that could be a thing. Who knows? If anybody knows, you... let us know. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever had haggis? No. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Haggis is illegal in the United States. Is it really? Because, oh, because it's a sheep's... No, I, authentic haggis is illegal <laughs> yeah. in the United States. Um, yes, because it's it contains sheep's lungs, um, which I wouldn't eat it anyway, even if it was legal, because that's just not my jam. No, I mean it's like wheat, <laughs> barley, and fucking other shit that they stuff and. Well, I mean, and it just looked dense as fuck. Like it just looked like. Oh yeah. I don't even know. It just. It, I I don't know how to explain it. It just looked like you could club like a brick. You could club somebody with it. Well, I think it's. I think Mike Myers explains it perfectly when he says, "I think most Scottish food is based on a dare." <laughs> it's based on a dare. <laughs> I mean. Most food from the uh, British <laughs> Isles is based on a dare. I don't know anybody that's clamoring for any <laughs> real quality like Scottish, Irish, English, Welsh, you know. Do you, do, you, do you like do you like haggis? No, I think it's repellent. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I mean, that's the problem though, is I mean, I you always hear like that's always like a running gag with like with any kind of movie or anything that's based off of uh the British Isles humor is that it's just they boil the shit out of food until it has no flavor at all. <laughs> hey, I'm half Irish. I know what you're talking about. But I get, yeah, I know, right? Doesn't your mom still make a boiled dinner every year? My mom makes a boiled dinner every year for the uh, St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> and you have uh, to, you know, give, give or take. It's like the Sunday closest. And you have to go over and go, hmm, ooh, yummy, mm, yummy, give me more. Mm. 
<laughs> it's like you just put everything on the plate and pile it up and you just cover it with mustard and relish and yeah just try to kill the taste that's all sure. you gotta do it's good shit that's man all you can you do boil the shit out of cabbage and then you just throw it on there with some corned beef it's good stuff yeah. no i don't i don't know i'm not a uh obviously i i would much rather a uh an italian sunday dinner than a freaking boiled sunday <laughs> I, dinner i would probably agree yes um so i have a question yeah uh you're not a fan of mike myers playing his dad you know charlie nope. and stewart I, I didn't say that i'm not a fan i just think that it would have been better for the movie had it been somebody else but okay. go ahead um well something else that i you know that i saw was that uh Sharon Stone really wanted to be in this movie. And to me, that was strange because, yeah, I mean, she was. This was like fresh off of Basic right after Instinct. Basic Instinct, which I mean is yeah. not a great movie, but really kind of. That would have know, like pigeonholed her. Was she made her play... super popular? Yeah. Was she going to play Harriet or was she was she going to play Rose? Yes. She was going to play Rose. Uh, no, no, no. Oh. I answered your question. She wanted to play. I I think they might have offered her the role of Harriet. She wanted to play Harriet, but wow. she also insisted on playing Rose as well, which oh. I actually think could have been really fucking awesome. Absolutely, especially like if she was playing her twin sister, because yes. it kind of like makes you like realize, okay, maybe this is how she was able to like you know, whatever with the, all the husbands sure. and, and kill them. Same, same she could exact pretend she was Harriet. Same exact storyline. Except yes. Except, except have she's a twin. her playing both parts. Yeah. I absolutely. think that could have been really good. I think, and, you they know, like that with Nancy, they could have had her, they could have had her dressed up as Harriet at the end. So that like, you kind of can see that she was Ooh, ma trying to okay. make Charlie think she was her. Yeah, to like lure him in to kill him. I really think that could have been cool, and it was Sharon fucking Stone. Yeah, which I mean, I I don't know. I feel like Nancy Travis Jesus. did a really fucking, good job. I who turned I that really down? like Nancy Travis. Who turned that idea down? That's a great idea. I don't know. You know what? I'll tell you. It might have been the director <laughs> because he's married to <laughs> Nancy Travis. Oh, Thomas Schlemiel. <laughs> No, actually, the, the producer is married. So, yeah, it would be the producer that probably made the call anyway. Yeah. And Nancy Travis was his girlfriend at the time, and they've been married now for 30 years. So, and not, not that I got anything, not that I have anything wrong with Nancy Travis, but I mean, that's not, you can't do that. You have to put fucking Sharon Stone. I mean, I, you know, I don't remember Nancy Travis from much, but I do remember being like, 10 11 years old and having married to the mob on vhs oh yeah and she was like naked in a bathtub mm. and like that's the only memory i have of nancy travis other than so i married an axe murderer my so, only again, other memory as a 11 year old boy you know you were you were okay with it my my only yeah. other memory of her is uh she's in three men and a little lady <laughs> she's in three men and a baby and she is yeah she's she, at the, yeah He's yeah. in Three Men and a Little Lady, yeah. Which I, yeah, I absolutely forgot about that. But yeah, yeah. and I used to watch the hell out of those movies. I mean, especially <laughs> you know the first one. You know what she's in? She's in Loose Cannons. <laughs> oh my God. With Gene Hackman and Dan Aykroyd. That movie's fucking great. Dan Aykroyd's, oh. Dan Aykroyd's doing his fucking uh, impression of the uh, Cowardly Lion the whole fucking movie. <laughs> I, I've never seen that movie. Oh, don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't. 
Um, uh, speaking of Dan Aykroyd, uh, let's talk about Tony. Okay, so Charlie's friend Tony, the cop. You know, yep. he looks like Huggy Bear from Starsky and Hutch. Yep. Um, I really like Anthony Lepaglia. I didn't know who he was sure. at the time. He hadn't been in much, but, you know, I love him in Empire Records. And I mean, I'm not like a, a huge fanboy of him, but like, I think I just always liked him in this movie. And um, hey, man, without Trace was a long running show, which I've never I've never seen a single episode. Nobody, of that show. nobody watched. I mean, no one no, actually watches it. No, but like, no one watches it from our group, like our age group. It's like <laughs> your parents would watch it. Your, yeah. your dad probably knows who Jack Malone is. If you asked him, that's his character <laughs> name. But, um, but go on. Go on. Well, so one of the questions I have is what is with all of the old women trying to bang him for like the mm. entire movie? It just seemed very strange to me. Like I get it was it was funny like the first time when you know May was like making out with him when they were at the house. Yeah, but it gets awkward. And then later right? on, it's just weird. I mean, I don't know. That I guess it's just kind of the running gag, but it yeah, I didn't mean, really develop into much. Like it wasn't really. I don't know. It was just weird. And I can understand. Like he's. I mean, he's probably the best looking man on the in the movie, but. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I mean, maybe because he was like a, you know, he's a cop, San Francisco cop. Like maybe all the old women think he's real sexy. I don't know. Yeah. That's a, that's that's an artistic choice that I don't understand fully either. Like, and that's what's strange to me too is he's probably. I mean, I think he is supposed to be a little older than Charlie, mm -hmm. but like the fact that Charlie is supposed to be like twenty nine, it yeah. just blows my mind because I mean, I I don't even know how old. I guess Mike Myers was 30 when they made this movie. So he just seems like he's older, you know, and the yeah. fact that he's supposed to be like less than 30. Um, and yeah. by the way, he's a, he's a beat poet. Ugh. And how does he make fucking money? <clears throat> um, that that's one of my kind of like, not really like a plot hole, but like one of my big, uh, along with why is everyone trying to bang Tony? Mm. One of my big questions about this movie is, um, where the hell does everyone get their money? Because you've got Charlie, who's a fucking beat poet, who doesn't have a real job, yet, you know, he says he's going to go to therapy twice a week. He's not sure if his insurance is going to cover it. What insurance does he have? Like, what, mm. what is, what insurance is he paying for? You, you know, and like Harriet, Harriet and Rose, like, have not been in town that long. I mean, if she's all over the country murdering you know, or get her husband's being murdered. She hasn't well, been she, in San Francisco very long. She runs that butcher shop, which seems okay. To be, so, or at least how did she, she just buy a butcher shop? Well, maybe they were hiring. We don't know this. Remember their apartment? Yeah, they had their a nice apartment, apartment today would cost like fifty grand a month. Uh the apartment back then probably cost fifty grand a month. No, it probably cost twenty five. And, and I mean, like, I don't know. Maybe Rose is independently wealthy, but like Harriet has this butcher shop with like mm -hmm. no other employees. Like she's there by uh, herself. Do you think that the reason why Harriet is so wealthy is because she's been getting life insurance from all these husbands that have died? Does she know that they're dead? She I has to. I think she doesn't. She isn't the whole deal that she thinks. <clears throat> She doesn't she she thinks they left the, that they left her like the note that rose leaves as charlie at the end you know basically says i'm leaving you yeah but if okay so even if even if they're leaving 
they're still coming up dead because people, or are they dead? Because they, I don't she think sees, they when found them dead. <clears throat> Do they not find the bodies? Is that one of the things in the story? That it's like, assume that they're all dead because they don't find the bodies? You know, I should know because I just watched this recently, but I... I know that they 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 say they disappeared. Okay. Um, and so, all right. So here's a question, and maybe you know this, maybe you don't. But if if a if a married couple and one of the spouses disappears, and is essentially like gone for the all rest of eternity, would she be able to collect on a life insurance policy or any kind of like uh, you know? Inheritance she, or anything she like would that. have to have them declared legally dead, is my understanding. Okay. Based on, you know, all the television I've watched. <laughs> right, right. So I guess that means... And th that would take a long time and a yeah. lot of paperwork. And also, I can't imagine that she was living in Miami and, and New Jersey as Harriet. No. You know, like, she's got to have a different name. Hmm. I mean, okay. otherwise, it's like... Otherwise, they would know who she is because, you know, the, the weekly world news report says Mrs. X and it has the names of all the husbands, but it doesn't mention her name. So, like, I'm, it I'm must actually, not be Harriet. I'm looking at a picture of the actual article and I'm trying to read the article to see if they say that the people end up dead. They just say <laughs> victims. So I don't know. Maybe they don't know if we don't know if they're dead or not. You know, it says the death of victim number two. So the so the Weekly World News, that's a fact. Oh, they, yeah. That's the paper. They know that they're dead. So maybe that's maybe she is getting. I mean, it would make sense if like she goes somewhere like she's in New Jersey and her husband dies. She wants to get the fuck out of New Jersey, you know, because it's shady circumstances. And I'm sure she's being looked at. So she's like, let me get the hell out of here. And she goes to Miami. And then she goes to Miami and her husband dies in Miami. So then she's like, shit, I got to get the fuck out of here again. And yeah. then she leaves. But I guess, I mean, it sounds like you're not, you're not wrong when you say like, she's basically saying like, these guys leave me and then they leave me like in a lurch and I don't know what the hell's going on. That's a good question, Chris. Yeah, well, and they, they did find, they definitely at least found Ralph Elliott's body because that was when Charlie went to, put the announcement in the paper for his parents, you know, anniversary. And mm. you got Mike Haggerty and Michael Richards there, you know, yeah. making fun of the people that died. And then, you know, uh, the insensitive man, <laughs> Michael Richards screaming and yelling at the top of his lungs. Um, yeah. And so definitely dead husbands. Um, not yeah. I, I, and I think that the, I, the whole idea is that, they don't know what happened to the wife. Like the husbands are dead, but they don't know what happened to the wife, which is why the paper is saying that the wife is killing them. Hmm. Um, um, can you make money off of being a poet? If he's publishing his poetry, possibly. I don't yeah. think he's making a lot of money. <laughs> I feel like he was kind of like the house poet or whatever it would be for like, whatever that, coffee shop or that he hung yeah. out in yeah, yeah i feel yeah. like he was kind of like their guy but mm. it's not like they're paying him like or if they are paying him i mean what could they be paying him you know no you're it's right not like he's making a living off of it i i have no idea where these people got their money um well that's that's a common trope in uh 
Yeah, no, you're right. Um, but also, yeah. I mean, I, I, and I don't know how it was 30 years ago, but it was probably, you know, kind of similar. But I mean, San Francisco's just known as one of the more expensive places to live in this country. So, and they could oh, have done this movie anywhere, but they picked San Francisco. It says his J job is unclear, but perhaps he works at the coffee shop Rhodes where he performs or works nearby in the City Lights bookstore. <laughs> It's a oh yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, either either way, I don't think he's uh, you know he's probably living off his parents, which now yeah, we have maybe. to talk about what it was. What did his fucking parents do? Oh no, his dad was a butcher. He's so a butcher. Dad, he's a butcher. <laughs> so his dad made money as a. Do you link your own sausage? Do you link? Yeah. Did when you were a kid, did you think that meant like something sexual? I always did. <sighs> I don't think so. Did you link I mean, your own sausage? Yeah. I, like, I know I know what a fucking sausage is. <laughs> um, look, I'm not a moron. I'm just saying, like, is it, you know, I mean, like, if somebody says, yeah, like, no, I, I get their it. carrot, like, you I, know, if you're, you don't really wax carrots, but, like, you know, if somebody says to you, you're waxing your carrot, you know what that means. Yeah, you know? no, you're right. Okay, fair enough. I take it back. Do you link it on sausage? Like, you know, yeah, she, on sausage? does she ride like fucking, you know, uh, yeah, reverse yeah. cowgirl or something like that? You know what I mean? Anyway. Well, then that took a turn. Well, then. <laughs> um, uh, I, an another question, uh, speaking of like the husbands being, well, maybe, well, killed, but mm. whether she knows that or not. Um, mm -hmm. So Rose writes the letter as Charlie <clears throat> yeah. at the end and mm -hmm. Charlie finds it. And then. So if Rose is writing all these letters, how does no one realize that, A, well, I guess that not that they were all written by the same person, because I guess not people aren't really tying that together. But, like, how did none of the, like, how did Harriet never realize that it, like, wasn't her husband's handwriting? And wouldn't she recognize her sister's handwriting? First of all, you said not, you, 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 were, you were starting to say something that made total sense and then you stopped yourself. That is something that absolutely would have been looked into by the police. That the all the handwriting is the same because yeah. it would have been one of the like one of the defining factors of uh, Harriet's like complicity in the murders of her of her exes. If I if I was going around killing my ex girlfriends, and but I, I don't think they ever put it together, like. No, because the Miami and the Atlantic her. City police department aren't really talking to each other, <laughs> um, which is not uncommon. You know, this is my jurisdiction. Especially in 1993. Exactly. They um, didn't even have computers back then. No, it's computers. <laughs> no, I think that you're right. I mean, for the fact that she didn't realize that her sister was killing all of her husbands, I mean, <laughs> that's just that's just plum silliness right there. I mean... <laughs> You want my opinion? I mean, she should have known silliness. That. You're right, because I know my brother's writing. You yeah. know, I know my mom's writing. Yep. Um, and like yeah, this I... is her sister that she lives with, that she's like traveled all over the country with, and has lived in many places. So they've probably lived together their whole lives. Let's let's talk about her sister for a minute. Amanda, Amanda Plummer. Plummer. What are your thoughts? I have thoughts. Um, so I really like Amanda Plummer. Mm. Um. Okay. You're I the think one? she's. Yeah. I mean, I don't really like her. Like, I think she was good for this role because she's kind of weird. Kind of a weirdo. She is a weirdo. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. 
I I don't know if I see Sharon Stone delivering the, you know, silver dollar pancakes, Kona coffee. <laughs> I care for Apple Jacks a great deal. Got him. Got him. Good. 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 Um, that's so yeah, I, of, that's been a long running gag for me and you for years. It's just I, every, yeah. if ever I say something and you just go good, good, then I know exactly what it is and I know exactly yeah. what's wrong. Yeah, I mean, I I quote this movie all the time. Um, oh sure, just I mean randomly with just whatever. You're wearing a goddamn shirt that has a quote on it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's an audio podcast, but Chris is wearing this shirt that is basically the rant that uh, Stuart McKenzie gives about, uh, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Um, he puts an addictive... Because he puts an addictive chemical in his chicken that makes you crave it fortnightly, smartass. How can you hate the colonel? Yeah. I mean, that's... <laughs> see, that's where, like, kind of some of the goofy shit that, like, Mike Myers is putting... Like, that's the stuff that... okay. Hear me out, because this is going to take a minute. That line right there, that interchange he had with his dad, is sounds to me like it was a bit written for Saturday Night Live that Lorne <laughs> Michael said no. And he said, I'm going to tuck this back in my head in case I ever get a chance to use it. And boom, he got a chance to use it. Like, I could yeah. totally picture Mike Myers having that character on, like, a Saturday Night Live skit and yelling about, like, like that's a weekend update character. Like he shows up and it here's Stuart McKenzie and he shows up, you know. Yeah, I, I saw something that said that the character had a different name but was on Saturday Night Live at one point. Oh, was sure. that like the was that the all the all things Scottish sketch? I think so. I think was that so, yeah. was that before this movie? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome that's, to yeah. All Things Scottish, where if it's not yeah. Scottish, it's crap. <laughs> Yeah, so that must have been where that character kind of originated. Um, Amanda Plummer. Do you know that Amanda Plummer is Christopher Plummer's daughter? <laughs> I did know that. That's kind of funny. Yeah, that's uh, that that is something. He should had he should have had Christopher Plummer as the dad. <laughs> yeah, could have done that. But <laughs> it says in the early 1990s he played that character. So I'm assuming it was yeah. Yeah, that I'm must have been that was way before. Yeah, yeah, that must have been that. And um, see, that to me seems like that's a skit on Saturday Night. <laughs> you get nailed at. No, Mike Myers just no. Dana Carvey walks into the shop and it, it plays like fucking bagpipes. Are you watching all things Scottish? <laughs> yeah, I just put it on. <laughs> all things Scottish. So uh, I haven't seen yeah. that sketch since like high school. I mean that. Now I guarantee you, if I watch that sketch, I'll fucking piss myself laughing. Yeah. No, it's because it's it is it's good. I mean, I I remember it just oh, from yeah. like seeing it once or twice. Yeah. Um. But I'm Amanda Plummer. I know you said you like her. I she she is I, she's she is, not my favorite person. No, I mean, I think she was good for the role. She's definitely like a weirdo, like a weird actress. You know, like I have. Oh this yeah, big, absolutely. But she was I supposed this, to be. Right. I have this big bugaboo of um that I don't like Philip Seymour Hoffman. And uh, I just, I just, every time, every character he plays is the same character. He's a fucking creepy character. Even yeah. in, even in Big Lebowski, they make him a creepy character. <laughs> it's just everything. He does, he's always creepy. He's just weird, creepy. And then he plays fucking Truman Capote. It's like, of course, because Truman Capote was a fucking creepy guy. 
It's just everything about him is like it's just it all brings back to the friggin' scene in um Boogie Nights where can I kiss you? Like, can I kiss it's like ugh, he's just everything about him is creepy. And it's like um and I and, and I have a friend of mine who like bitches at me that like I'm an asshole because I don't like Philip Seymour Hoffman, and I go, the guy was a wacko in everything he was in. He really and was. That's, and that's kind of like Amanda Plummer. She's like a crazy person in like everything she's in. Of course, the only two things I really know her from are this and Pulp Fiction. Pulp but Fiction. <laughs> I'm going to take a stand and say that Amanda Plummer has been typecast as a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. So, like, what else was she in? I mean, uh, she is a crazy person. But Well, I mean, I never saw it. Let me see. Joe I never versus saw... the Volcano. The Fisher King. Oh, she isn't. Wait, who is she in Joe versus the Volcano? I haven't seen that movie. In I've a seen that movie years. a thousand times. I've seen she that won movie a, a thousand. Times. She won a Tony Award in 1982. <laughs> um, she was in Moonlighting. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> I didn't watch Moonlighting. Moonlighting. Uh, oh yes, you know who she is in fucking Joe versus the Volcano. Oh, you're not gonna remember. She's the fucking like. Uh, <laughs> she's she works on the boat that. Uh, Meg Ryan owns, <laughs> and it's like, and she's like a she's she, she plays like some kind of a European person, like German, or she's got some fucking wacky accent. Like again, she plays a yep. wacko. A wacko. She's the I mean, the Fisher King. The Fisher King is about like homeless crazy people. So she's, she's been in like a hundred movies. So no, no, like... she's all she's a character actress, but oh, she's in Needful Things. You've seen that mm -hmm. before. That's yep. yep. Yeah. Isn't Christopher Plummer in that? No, Max no, Funside. Max Funside, yeah. Yeah, that's what that is. <laughs> that's a great I'm movie sure she's Needful been in at least one movie with her dad, I need, though. I need to watch Needful Things, like, before Halloween comes up, because it's such a good movie. <laughs> what movie? Needful Things. Yeah. Did you ever read the book? <laughs> no, you're the only one I know that reads... You're the only one, believe it or not, I know... Seriously, you're the only one I know that reads Stephen King. Everybody I know loves Stephen King movies, but doesn't watch, doesn't read Stephen King yeah. books. <laughs> and um, it's great. I got to talk about, I got to talk about um, Cell the other day because oh I, I think because I think my friend Jenny just saw it and she was talking about it. And um, I was like, you know, that takes place like in Malden, <sighs> like right up the street from like where my mom lives. <laughs> Dude, that movie, like I just remember watching it, and it was like. <laughs> Have you ever seen the movie? No, but I remember you. I remember you calling dude, me. I remember like, you calling me though and telling me that like, dude, Stephen King mentions like Granada Highlands. Oh yeah, no, like they get like they literally they're walking from Boston. They're walking north on Route One, and they get <laughs> off at like the Lynn Street exit, I, I and they're know, walking. Like... They walk down Salem Street, <sighs> right, yeah. right past my, you know, right past my yeah. street, yeah. all the way down towards Malden Square, and they go to. Uh, uh, what the fuck's his name? The Samuel Jackson guy. Yeah. Whatever his name is. Tom McCourt. Forget. It's something. Is that what it is? Tom McCourt. Yeah. And like the address of his house does not exist. It's like 140 Salem Street or 144 yeah. Salem Street, but yeah. it's basically the uh, the corner of like the Ware McQuish, uh funeral home. <laughs> oh really? Oh that's so that's funny. where it would be if it were yeah. like an actual address. That's so funny. Um. Well, what's yeah, wrong man. with the movie? Is the movie oh, terrible? So there's like, you know, they're in the, there's like two guys in the woods and they're, you know, they're trying to get away from whoever's trying to kill them or whatever's going on. I haven't seen it in a hundred years. And one of the guys is like, uh, now again, these are all mass holes, like all people from Massachusetts that are, you know, 
in this movie because well, you know in in the movie yeah. they're supposed to be from Massachusetts. Yeah. And the guy's like, uh, we went down to have a hill. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what no. the fuck? I'm like, that's come on. That's not what that town's called. We're gonna, we, we were we were in Haverhill. Not I'm even like, people were... not even people who live in Haverhill call it Haverhill. I'm like, you were not in Haverhill, you stupid. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I saw that and I was like, you gotta be shitting me. Have a hill. Have a hill. Uh, and there yeah, was another no. one too, and I forget what it was, but there was another one, and I was like, oh my god. That's not this funny. is the worst. But, mm. but it was nice. Yeah. yeah, I I was reading the book and I turned the page and literally the chapter is just called Malden. <laughs> and I just know. and I re- and I and I remember I remember you calling me and being like, dude, he's talking about Malden. And I was like, really? <laughs> he's like talking about Linden, which is like which is the yeah. neighborhood you and I grew up in. Yeah. Which is hilarious. Well, but, Stephen King did said, live in Malden. Yeah, you did. Yep. You say that. You always say that. You go, he did live in Malden. His aunt, yeah. does aunt live in Malden or something? Something like that. I mean, he, he moved around a whole lot as a kid. His family was kind of fucked up. Yeah, and, uh, obvious, obviously. He <laughs> lived kind of all over Maine and all over New England with, like, various family members. So, hmm. good for him for getting his shit together. <laughs> oh, yeah. Amanda Plummer, that's how we got on this. Okay, so who uh, else? Yeah. So we talked about, okay, uh, Brenda Fricker, kind of cool that, you know, she's in it. That's a fact. I like her. That's a fact. (laughs) Pregnant Um, man gives birth. That's a fact. I I love how Uh, you call it the paper. The paper. Uh, No, I mean, overall, the story Uh, is it's it's an interesting story. It's entertaining. Um, It does seem like there's just a lot of plot holes with the with linking her to these murders. Yeah. Well, since we were on the topic of the McKenzie's, I have one final like weird question for like that area yeah who the fuck is heed <laughs> like they never explain who he is like is he charlie's brother i don't think so because yeah, no, i don't he's... think charlie has any siblings i feel like it was like you know like if if that were the case like charlie would have had william Heed helping him you know plan the 30th anniversary that's the other crazy thing is that Brenda Fricker was 48 when this movie was made. So, like, they got married at 18. They're both supposed to be, like, not even 50. So they could have, like, a teenager. I just feel like it's really fucking weird that they have this, like, 30-year-old poet asshole guy that, like, lives in his own place. Mm -hmm. And then they have this, like, random teenager living with them. Who was in the goddamn Mighty Ducks. Yeah. But like, have have you ever thought about that? Like, who? I never thought about it because I just kind of always just laughed at it because like all the scene and it's just, it, is it just there to be funny? Like, it's yeah. just random. It, well, like, if he wasn't there, all of those lines would be gone. Like, you wouldn't have all the oh yeah, you know, crying himself to sleep on his huge pillow and his, his huge looks pillow. like Sputnik and spherical but quite pointy in parts. That's, but that's what I'm saying is like that's that to me screams of. Mike Myers having all of these lines that he had written for Saturday yeah. Night Live skits. And he's like, I got to put these in somewhere. I'm going to keep these. I'm going to put them in. I can only imagine like, n- like, um, Lorne Michaels going to this movie and just going like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like, you know, I told him not <laughs> to put that in there, but, um, yeah, no, I think that it's, but yeah, L- Lorne didn't have anything to do with this movie, right? 
don't think so. Unless he was an executive producer, no, only because I, I don't think if, he's... If, if he was an executive producer, it's only because Mike Myers is in it. You know. Yeah, but like he didn't like own him. No, but like I know, like um, no, that's well, that's a good question because I was gonna say like I know like Vince McMahon got like executive producer credit for like the first couple of movies that The Rock did, but I think <laughs> that's because he went by The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Oh, so because yeah. because Vince owned the name The Rock, I think he got to be an executive. But like, producer. is an executive producer usually the person that like puts up the money? Yeah, so that you was my understanding. Like, so yeah, like, so you can, if he you gave money like five or for six. the production, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, you can have a, a hundred. Um. Yeah. Well, I mean, looking at this, no, I don't think Lauren Michaels has anything to do with it because he's not listed as an executive yeah. producer. He's not listed as any kind of producer. So yeah, I guess. So, but I mean, you know, Lauren went to see it, like, or somebody came. Oh, I'm sure. Lauren. I'm sure he's seen it. Yeah. <clears throat> um. But yeah, I don't think he Michael, had like any say in any of it. I don't think it's a very Michael, good idea that you do this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I love how everybody has a Lauren. Everybody has a Lauren. Um. I don't know if it's a good idea. <laughs> but uh. Yeah. No. I think no. Well, I know. Well, I don't know if you remember. Um. Do you remember the? All right. So when I was in seventh grade. And I was in 7A. I had a friend named Matt Hickey. Mm -hmm. Do you remember him at all or no? Yep. You might not. Okay. Matt Hickey had a brother who was like born when we were in like seventh grade. So he was like 15 yeah, years. Yeah, no, or, I, I know what you know, happened. 13 years or something. Yeah. So I guess that's what it is. Well, between... like, I, I feel like they don't, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like they kind of address him as like Charlie's brother. I feel like it's like they don't specifically sure. say it, which doesn't mean it's not true, but like yeah, yeah it is just like random. Quite the filly. <laughs> All right, I'm taking it back. He should have played his dad. <laughs> right, exactly. I take it back. His um, fucking dad's the best part of this movie. Go go going back to Lauren. Um oh, what do you have to say? The thing <laughs> uh the character of Tony. Yeah. Like, uh, apparently David Spade was kind of in talks to oh do it, God. but was encouraged by Lauren to instead be in Coneheads. Mm. And I looked up Coneheads, and Lauren Michaels did produce Coneheads. So, oh, yeah. Well, that's he a, was that's like direct, stacking his own direct, deck, yeah. you know, like, yeah, that's a direct, that's a direct, um, Saturday Night Live movie, but. Yeah, but you know who's one of the more memorable characters in Coneheads? David Spade. David Spade's character in Coneheads is kind of like memorable. I, I really don't think I've ever seen that movie the whole way through. Well, I think you're not I've missing seen much bits and pieces of it, but like I really don't think I've ever it's, seen the whole thing. It's not a good movie. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's it's another one of those weird Dan Aykroyd movies where you know. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> no, actually, Coneheads isn't bad. Coneheads is pretty good. I like Coneheads. So Coneheads lost about nine million dollars. It had a budget of thirty million and made like twenty-one. Oh, boy. So I married an axe murderer. Had a budget of twenty million and made eleven and a half. <laughs> so it actually lost less money ha, than Coneheads. Ha! <laughs> fucking ha! Uh, yeah. What do you I think mean, of that, Lorne? They both kind of bombed, but they both lost money. Uh, Coneheads released uh, like literally a week before 
Oh, and really? That's, that's and that's Lauren saying "fuck you" to Mike Myers. Like he know he probably knew that like Myers was getting ready to leave because yeah. there's no there's no way he's going to be able to pay him, you know, going forward, based no. on like you know Wayne's World the movie alone. Even yeah. though that was like an SNL property, like it's yeah. still Mike Myers. Sure. So yeah, they put it out the week before. I'm gonna put this out the week before. I'm gonna put out this movie just so that way I make, you. just because I want to fuck you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And what do you think about that? <laughs> well, I think I'm going to make a movie about you in like four years, and then you're going to really see how I feel. <laughs> you you I know what else? Remember. You know what else came out in July of 1993? Weekend at Bernie's too. <laughs> we saw that. <laughs> we went to the theater. We were the only ones in the theater. Me and you and a homeless guy. Um. Yeah. The, on the same day, uh, Son-in-Law came out. Oh my <laughs> god! Rookie of the year. The next oh, week, God. Free Willy and Hocus Pocus came out. Which, okay. why did they good. put out Hocus Pocus in July? They probably didn't think it was going to be a hit. But was it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm being serious. Doesn't everybody really kind of say that that's a terrible fucking movie? But was it a movie? But was it a movie? Did it actually I mean, come out? Uh, um, I, I just know. watched that movie for the first time like last really? year. Two years ago? I don't even know. It was like... Are you kidding? Okay, so that movie, Hocus Pocus, had a budget of $28 million and made Ho- 47 You had never seen Hocus Pocus? I had never seen it's Hocus got fucking Pocus. Be- it's got Betta Midler in it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a Seinfeld reference. You won't get it. But <laughs> of course. It's a Betta Midler? <laughs> that's, there's like these... There's like, so Elaine has these... like She goes to the Chinese... She goes to the Korean um, nail salon... And she thinks that they're talking about her. So she brings Frank Costanza because he speaks Korean. Oh my and God. he ends up hearing them talking shit about her. And then he, he yells at them. So as, as a way to like, as a way to pay them back, she brings them to go see Rochelle Rochelle, which is starring <laughs> Bette Midler. But then George hits Bette Midler in the celebrity softball game that, or just the regular softball game between like Jerry's comedy club and, it's the it's the it's the theater that Bette Midler is doing the show, which is Jerry's girlfriend, who's the understudy. I know this is a tangent, but this is a good tangent. You should like this. And then so the the group is like, oh, you try to take out the understudy. The, you try to take out the star so that the understudy could get the gig. And then that causes a whole bunch of ruckus. And then all of a sudden, like everybody's looking to kill Jerry and George because they took out better midla and then that's what the lady <laughs> says that the korean lady when they go that you know like the the pa announcer goes like tonight's performance of rochelle rochelle is going to be played by da 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 cuz and then they're like no better midla <laughs> i mean oh, i'm telling wow. you I, I know you've never watched the show um you've only seen like one episode twice i i, I mean it's, it, no, I've I've seen maybe like ten episodes. It's it's worth watching. That you know what, Keithy, <laughs> for you, I'm gonna watch that next. Because I, you know, for all the for all the t- no. a show that was on four years ago, <laughs> it hasn't aired in twenty five fucking years. 20, you're you know what? Watching. Just so that we can talk about it, and I'll even tell you where I am. I'll keep you updated on my progress so you can watch along with me. <laughs> You know, because with with all the the TV and all the content I take in, 
I always have one show, like one old show oh, that's like a God. long running show that I've sure. never seen that I yeah. kind of just go to if I don't feel like watching anything that's else. Really and it's funny. usually like a, you know, like a 22 hmm. minute, like a sitcom-y thing. Sure. I'm currently watching Raising Hope, which is totally random. Oh, that's a good show, though. I liked Raising I, Hope. I like it. I, I watched um, My Name is Earl, and then when that was over, I continued kind did of naturally ever... right into that. Now, had you ever watched it before? Raising like, Hope? You... Yeah, like, did you watch it when it was on? No, I'd n- I, I, I maybe saw like half of an episode. How far are you into it? Uh, I feel like I'm like almost done with season one. Oh God! So you got a ways to go. Okay, I'm not. I'm not going to spoil. Four, only four <clears throat> seasons. But it has all right. So the girl that's like the girl that he's in love with. What's her name? <laughs> what? what are you laughing at? But I haven't watched it in like three weeks. Um, oh, um, I, there's there's a just, point. I thought you there's were a... just gonna like totally like spoil everything for everybody. <laughs> oh no 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 no! The girl that no, because he's in love with the. The main character, Jimmy's in love with um Sabrina. Sabrina. Sab- He's in Sabrina. love with her from like yeah. yeah, from like the get-go. But there's like a point where she talks about this weird habit that she has, and it's <laughs> she sleeps with a fucking <laughs> nylon on her head because she's afraid oh my God, of getting yeah. like spiders in her ears. Oh my no, god! Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm on episode seven of season one, so well, I'm I haven't just quite saying, I'm, gotten there. No, I'm not. Well, I'm not. I'm not giving away major plot points. No, 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 here. no I'm I just know, telling I know, you, like, but it's funny because she talks about like how she sleeps with like a nylon on her head because, and I'm like, whoever wrote that joke is a fucking genius because it's just such a <laughs> dumb, it's such a stupid dumb joke, but it's so funny. <laughs> I loved Raising Hope. I really did. I thought it was a great fucking show. I watched. Yeah, well, I'm episode. glad you watched it. Yeah, I. Uh... Yeah. Like I said, I I always am like shows like that that I especially like you know they're gonna be funny. I mean it was on for four yeah. years. There's like ninety something episodes of it. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, half I like half hour sitcoms like that. I mean it was good. I mean Garrett Dillahunt and friggin' uh Martha Plimpton, like they're fucking awesome on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean it was Cloris funny Leachman because, is great. Yeah, Cloris Leachman it was great too because the show starts off as like it's all about Jimmy and like Sabrina and the baby. And then it immediately turns, like, halfway through, like, season two, it immediately becomes all about, like, Garrett Dillahunt and not for Plimpton. Good, because, good. Because they're the breakout characters of the show. Yeah, and, it is, yeah. and, and it's fucking laughs a minute. I love that show. I'm very happy that you're watching that. You tell well, and... you text me when you watch that show and you say, I just got to this point. Because, again, I told you earlier, I have this, like, ridiculous, like, you know, photographic memory of like episodes. You'll be like, I'm just going to the episode when that that happened. I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's it. Anyway, All what right. were we talking about? I, was, uh, so I don't know. I, I told you I'm going to watch Seinfeld next. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, yeah, because we were talking about Bette Midler for some. Oh, because you were mentioning Bette that. Midler? You were talking about Hocus Pocus coming out the same week. Oh, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. It came out a couple weeks before. Um, no, I mean, I think that. Um, Robin Hood Men in Tights came out two days before. Oh, God. (laughs) I mean, Tom and Jerry the movie came out the same day. Robin Hood Men in Tights. Robin Hood Men in Tights has that great line where um, Richard Lewis is in the tub and he tells the guys to blow and they stop blowing into the tub and he goes, No, not blow, blow, because he wants them to leave. Well, and Robin Hood—I mean, Robin Hood Men in Tights had a twenty million dollar budget and made seventy-two million. Sure, 
Well, because it's a Mel Brooks movie. Everybody loves Mel Brooks. That is true. I totally forgot that was a Mel yeah. Brooks movie. And yeah. what do we think that is on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, oh, God. Um, hmm. It's got to be higher than... It's got to be higher than... So I Married an Axe Murderer. Yeah. Do you think it's over 70? Do you think it's like 71? Mm, no, no, no. No, Spaceballs was his last, like, wow. genuine hit, I think. It's it's 10 points lower than So I Married an Axe yeah, Murderer. Yeah, yeah, no. His last... Look up, like, Dracula Dead and Loving It. Like, his last, his last few movies that he did that were, like, Mel Brooks movies like spoof movies were were not that good yeah it's got a much higher um wow 11 percent dracula um it has a much higher audience score than so i married an axe murderer oh yeah well that's because i think well because again it's like it's wicked stupid comedy like the guy's name's fucking blinken and he's blind (laughs) and there's the was was that was that dave chappelle no dave chappelle is achu Um, oh (laughs) <laughs> no, I haven't Blink- seen that movie in so long. There's the great scene where Blinken's like in a fight and he's got the sword and he just keeps hitting like this one piece of wood and they keep cutting back and every time they cut back it's like the wood's getting shaved down more and more <laughs> and they do it in like fast motion so he's like and he's like hitting the wood and it just keeps getting like less and less. That's another great I've seen that recently too. That's what I'm saying like these are movies that like as soon as I see them I stop and I watch the rest of it. Like Robin Hood Men in Tights, even though it's so stupid, I would I would pick that up in like the middle of it and I would be like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna watch this. This is a great movie. I'll have to add that to the list. I haven't seen it in so long. Yeah. Yeah, no. <sighs> and then yeah, that's that's a that's another good movie. I mean, you know, anything I, I love Mel Brooks, anything. I mean, what's oh god, what's um uh, what's life stinks? That's gotta be low. That's fucking bad. Oh, is that with Leslie Ann Warren? Yeah, that's that one that's fucking I remember 20, that movie. Twenty one percent. That's terrible. Yeah. And that movie I mean, and I love that movie. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I, 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 I like that movie. Leslie that's a, Ann Warren. Well, I, I, I stopped short of saying that's a good movie. <laughs> but it, it's not a good movie. But it's got Jeffrey yeah. Tambor in it. And then I love when like I love when they pull his fucking his weave off. <laughs> <laughs> bad hair yeah yeah mel brooks mel brooks definitely hit a wall and like post seriously like Spaceballs. although didn't we talk about Spaceballs? i think Spaceballs is not ranked Spaceballs is not very high <laughs> yeah um, which is sad because you would think that's i mean it's i mean it, it, the you know the Spaceballs. the audience score is probably super high yeah. um let's see I mean, just the Maybe. fact that just the fact that Spaceballs like has got that great, it's got that great story behind where it's like where George Lucas let him do whatever he wanted as long as he didn't sell merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, he said to him, he goes, he got permission to basically plagiarize friggin' Star Wars, like everything yeah. from, and he goes, you can do whatever you. Uh, you can do whatever you want. Just you know, my George Lucas sounds like uh, one <laughs> Michaels, but you know we're not allowed to plagiarize. <laughs> just don't sell toys. That's all I ask. Uh, so, oh, high anxiety is ranked higher than History of the World. Yeah, Spaceballs oh, yeah. is like fifty-seven percent. Yeah, no, no space, George Luke. Uh, George Lucas. Um. <laughs> Mel Brooks. I'm like trying to think who the hell is that? Mel Brooks was fucking gold 
in like the seventies. Oh gold. yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Gold. Like everything gold. that guy put out was like, yeah, every gold, Jerry, it's gold. Everything that guy put <laughs> out was fucking gold. Back then. I don't know what you're talking about. <clears throat> That's a science. I know you stupid fuck. Um, Oh yeah. I mean, I mean I, like, I mean, Jesus Christ, like, well, the producers, but blazing saddles, young Frankenstein, silent movie, mm-hmm. high anxiety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's with the Muppet movie? Oh, I think like... he's in the Muppet movie. Oh, he's in it. Oh, yeah, okay. I think he's in it. Yeah. I haven't seen that movie in a hundred years. Yeah. Executive produced the Elephant Man. Oh, God. But like, Which... you get to like, you get to nineteen, you get to nineteen ninety one. Life stinks. Robin Hood <laughs> Men in Tights. The Silence of the Hams. Um. <laughs> Dracula dead and loving it. Dracula dead and loving. It. Screw loose. <sighs> like. What? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Some things. Yeah. No. You, yeah, thanks. That's thanks. Rough. Thanks, Grandpa. Grandpa's got to go. Grandpa's got to go to bed. <laughs> well, the man's like 97 years old. Cut him some I, slack. Hey, that guy, put him in, wrap him up in bubble wrap. Keep him around. I know. <clears throat> you know? We already lost Carl Reiner. We don't want to lose Mel Brooks. No, we can't lose Mel Brooks. No. You well, know he's going to fucking mean, die tomorrow. Oh God! Let's between between the time that you know we this record airs. this and the time it airs, fucking Mel Brooks is going to be dead. Oh. And I I have kind of this running thing with a, a friend of mine where we kill people Jesus. because like every time, like we'll mention I actually I killed Suzanne Summers earlier this week because or over the weekend I randomly said something about Suzanne Summers and. <clears throat> Oh, and then I was watching, I was watching, so I married an axe murderer, and Charlie's sitting there reading the Thighmaster book with Suzanne oh, yeah. Summers on the cover. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I totally murdered Suzanne Summers. So I well, forgot to tell him, but I murdered Suzanne Summers without mentioning it because we don't want to mention it. But <laughs> we're responsible for a uh, defining moment in our lives. Uh... Yes, we, we are. Talked Let's about, not talk we, about that. We're not talking about that, but there was one event that happened that the night before it happened, we were like, oh, you know what? Nothing's ever happened in our lifetime that was really era-defining. You said it. <laughs> I don't remember saying anything. I remember you, say, you I said just, it. I just remember being at our house, at your house that night and watching the uh, the episode of The Simpsons with the Twin Towers. Mm-hmm. You know, our parents had Vietnam. Our grandparents <laughs> had World War II. What the hell we do got we nothing. have? What do we got? OJ? We got? OJ? The Gulf War? <laughs> Jesus The first Christ. one? The first uh, Gulf War? I really got really to be careful what I say. <laughs> what do we have? OJ? What do we the have? The Mendez brothers? Nothing oh interesting God. happened in our lives. <laughs> and then the next oh day. Oh, my God. The next day, the entire world changed. And now... You talk to people like my nephew, and he doesn't even know, like, he doesn't even know what it means. <laughs> it is kind of a strange, I don't know how the fuck we got talking about 9-11. No. Um, <laughs> it is one of those weird things where it's like, you know, I I try to put myself in the place of, like, how often do you really hear about it, like, since it happened? You know, like, and if I was, like, a 15-year-old kid today who was yeah. born, you know, seven years after it happened. Yeah. Like, what would I really know about it? And Nothing. I would probably know fuck all about it unless Nothing. they're actually teaching yeah. it. 
which I, I which, doubt that they're really teaching it. No, because they don't get that far in any version of history, you know, in school. Yeah. They don't get that far. Uh, no, but I know that. Um, so recently I watched on, and I'll plug this on Amazon Prime, I watched Totally Killer. And it's like, an, it, it, it just came out. It's like a new I horror gonna movie. I going to watch that. Yeah. It's awesome. Awesome. Highly recommend it. All right, and one I'll of the things that. that's. One of the things that's funny about it is that she keeps making comments like she keeps she goes like she goes back to 1987 and she's like she goes into like the high school and she says to the like the secretary. She's like, yeah, I need to know what period so and so was in. And she's like, I got to like doctor. And she's trying to give her like this excuse. And the lady's like, she's in English 12. And she's just like, man, things are crazy in the 80s. <laughs> and she just like <laughs> because it's so true. Like everybody's like. That's private information. You're not supposed to know those kinds of things. So it's like, and she just every time, th- every time anything happens so easily, she's like, "God, everything was wild back then." <laughs> so, yeah, great movie. You should check that out. Um, oh well, I mean, we've been talking about everything other than this. No, um, I mean, is there anything you think you would change about this movie? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. To make it more palatable to a wider audience, because See, I think this that's is what the sucks. thing that right this is what sucks. Like, I I really think that it was you know mostly well done. Sure. I think it was funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, as funny as like you know, it's not like fucking airplane funny, but like you know, like it was funny. It definitely had it's like, you know, niche funny moments and it had mm-hmm. like the characters that, you know, um, whatever. I mean, you know, Charles Grodin showing up as like no. the guy that no. wouldn't, <laughs> the guy that wouldn't let Tony commandeer his car. It's, a commandeer I mean, it's, it's no. brilliant. You know, like it's just great because like, but, he's just like deadpan and he's an asshole. You well, know? And I and like, like that. I like that. You know, I liked also that Alan Arkin, was like he was like the nicest you know nicest co- uh chi- so police good. chief and then he's like he's like Can't you're just yelling at me and then there's like the one scene where he comes in and he he chews him out and then hey Pagazan Anthony Paglia <laughs> comes in and he's all like oh my god all right all right and then he leaves and then he comes back he's like was that too rough was that too good no that was great you just you know you gotta really give it to me and so was yeah it, no I mean I think was it too much with the ethnic slurs yeah Ethnic slurs. Ethnic slurs. No, well, and I mean, that's right. that's part of that's one of the reasons they they got Alan Arkin for that part is that like I think it, like he is just such a nice guy. Yeah, and like he had that reputation, and they were like, yeah, this would be great because like he's gonna be, be the funny. nice guy, yeah. and you know they want you know Tony wants him to be the bad guy. You yeah, know? yeah, it'll so. be hilarious when he finally. Yeah, when he finally gives in and starts yelling at him, it'll be really fun. And it is; it's very funny. It's yeah. great. I love it. Yeah. I, think it's I mean, everybody had good, you know, funny moments. Um, yeah. No, I mean, I, d- d- dude, I will watch this movie all the time for the rest of my life. Like, it's, I mean, it, it's not the best movie in the world. Um, no, but it's a know. good movie. But you know, hearing that like Sharon Stone was interested. Um, I would have taken, I think that that would have been, that would have brought so much more to this movie if they had gone with Sharon Stone being the the lead and having her play like a dual role as like a crazy twin. The only problem is, is that that kind of, that kind of typecast Sharon Stone because she, you know, because she had just come off of being like yeah. a crazy That's true. killer. 
you know, so it's like, does she really want to do that again? But I mean, she sounded like she wanted to. So fuck it. Let her do it. Well, and, you know, honestly, like, even if it wasn't Sharon Stone, like if it was Nancy Travis, I still feel like that could have made the movie a lot better. Definitely more interesting. Yeah. But like, yeah, I actually think it would have made it better. I really do. Because it still would have had the black comedy. um... Well, everything else would have been exactly the same. Yeah. And it went, and it's still right. So like, it still would have had like the black comedy styling to it, but it just would have made it a little bit more of an interesting role because it would have just added a little bit more suspense mm-hmm. in a kind of very, almost like a, maybe even like a Mel Brooks esque way, you know, like how, um, you know, some of his like high anxiety and silent movie and shit like mm-hmm. had like those kind of thriller moments to it, you know? But well, and you know what they could have done too is like, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Like halfway through the movie, or I, I know like you don't really meet her until later, but like three quarters of the way through the movie, you mm. get the reveal that she has a sister. Yes. Like maybe like Charlie actually was dealing with Rose and didn't know it. Yes. Like that next morning, like I mean that next morning scene is hilarious for a lot of reasons. So like I I'm glad it's there, but like if it was actually Rose and he thinks it's Harriet. Like they could have come up with funny stuff. I mean, they just, you know, slept together the night before, like, and And that could have been great. And like, he wouldn't have known. And we wouldn't have known until later. I don't know. I guess it it might have been funnier if we had already known. So maybe we would already know. But that actually is a great point because it would have been awesome if like he gets, if it, yeah, like he doesn't realize that she's Rose. Because it's the same person. Mm-hmm. That would have been awesome. That would have been a great twist. Yeah. And like the only difference is like, you know, Rose has a friggin' like heart shaped birthmark on her ass cheek <laughs> or something. You know, like some weird, bizarre thing that like. Some other trope from some other movie. Yeah. Like that's how you identify her. She's got some weird birthmark or something. Like that would have been great. So. <laughs> um. All right. So, I mean, I think that kind of covers. Did you have any other things that you wanted to mention about So I Married an Axe? You know, I, I don't think so. Like I said, I, it's it's a movie that is near and dear to my heart. And, of course. Uh, I've seen it many times, and I will continue <clears throat> to watch it. Um, you know, didn't really know, you know, a lot of these other, like, casting kind of things um, that I no. saw looking online. But um, very I found cool. them very interesting. Um, ah. I, I really feel like it would have been – a lot of them would have made – you know, things pretty strange, like Gary Busey as, you know, Vicky. I'm, I'm Gary Busey. I mean, that, that could have been insane. Been fucking um, bizarre. Yeah. Uh, could have been nuts, but. Machine Gun uh, Kelly had <laughs> prison we call a bitch. A bitch. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so good. Now, I... So I would recommend people if you haven't seen So I Marry an Axe Murderer, go check it out. Um, is it streaming on anything? Streaming on HBO right now, I think. Okay. I think that's where I watched it. Yeah, so check it out. Um, I love it. I I know you love it. Um, I goof on it because it's fun to goof on because it was considered like a poor movie, but I I don't really hate it. I think it's great. I think it's a great movie. I think. Um, there was a couple of different things. Like there are a couple things that I think we could change and we would only change them just to make it a bigger hit for Mike Myers, to be honest, because 
you know. But the last thing I'm going to say is, is I do love the scene where he's in the closet because he doesn't want to drink them shake. So and just great. All the sh- and all the shit falls on <laughs> it's him. It's just glass. It's a glass door. <laughs> like, who has that? <laughs> But it's such a great scene because she doesn't. He doesn't want to drink the the protein shake she makes for him randomly, like at ten o'clock at night too. I might add, and right. then uh, and then he he's then I love when he's in there and he's just like, mm, mm, like he's just like looking left to right until <laughs> she walks away, and then she slams the door and just everything from his entire life just falls on top of him. It's so great, <laughs> so good. Yeah, such a good trope. So yeah, you know, we'll check it out. And um, I think that's going to wrap it up for uh, the Rotten Rewrite on So I Married an Axe Murderer. Chris, I want to thank you so much for joining me. Thank uh, you so much for having me. Yeah. The returning uh, yeah. champion. It's always for fun. Rotten. Yeah. I mean, this might be this might be your bit. Like, maybe I'll have you on every <laughs> time I do a Rotten Rewrite. Um, I know my nephew wanted us to talk about uh, Gremlins 2, the new batch. And I, which, which you came out and you go, dude, that was ranked at like, that was rated like, 71. like 71 or something. And I, and I remember saying to him, I go, cause he had seen it. He was over at his friend's house and they watched it like a, on like a sleepover. And I was like, why do you not like that movie? I go, that movie's fantastic. And he was like, Oh, it's so stupid. And I was like, that's the point. It's supposed to be stupid. I go, it's mm-hmm. basically, it's a goof of the first movie. So um, what was, I was like, what was the show? Was it, was it that reboot show? That's that was on Hulu. Yeah. I think they were, I think it was that show, and one of the, the it was like a throw. I don't even remember what happened. They just listed all this crap, and it ended up being like everything that they actually did in Gremlins two, and it was just like really funny. I think it was that show. It might. Have I been think it was different. that show. Yeah. No, look, Gremlins two is perfect because it's just so. It's a spoof of the original movie, which is exactly what it was intended to be. And anybody that says otherwise, I will fight them to the death. So be prepared. <laughs> but uh, all right. Well, uh, thank you, Chris. I'll have you back on again real soon. And um, good. all right. I'll talk to you later, buddy. All right. Thank you very much. See thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, everybody, now we are moving on, and I want to bring in the third special guest today uh, that I'm having on my a la carte with Keithy, and this is kind of a, this is a, well, how can I say it? This is, this is the real family. I know that all of my guests' co-hosts are generally my very, very close, dear, personal, longtime friends. This is somebody who is actually a very close, dear, personal, longtime family member, um, I want to bring out my, I want to bring on my sister, my big sister, if you will. Um, she is one of the people who got me started on the path of music that I love most in my life. Uh, she, you know, obviously being a, a child of the eighties and she was a child of the eighties and maybe even a decade beforehand. And uh, of course we had vinyl records and albums and cassettes and all those kinds of things. And I remember listening to the Joshua tree in her bedroom when I was just a young kid, probably right after the Joshua tree came out and it started me on the path of loving classic rock and real good rock and roll to the point where 
I feel that rock and roll is dead because there are no just great rock and roll bands with the exception of the Foo Fighters. But of course, I want to bring on my sister, my big sister, Alisa. Alisa, how are you today? I am great, Keith. Thank you for asking. And how are you today? Oh, couldn't be any better. So we there is a there is a segment I like to have where I call it Ticket Pastor. And the segment of this is really simple. It's uh, I want to talk about some concerts that you've been to, uh, concerts that you remember, things that you moments that you've enjoyed, uh, and then really see if I can pick your brain to find. And this is a hyper local reference for anybody that lives in the Boston area. But there's a radio station, Kiss 108. And if Kiss 108 every year, they run their Kiss concert or uh, their whatever they're if you want to have like a Lollapalooza. I know that's like a nationwide thing that used to be a thing and all that. And it's really just bands come on, they play one or two songs and then they move on. So what I want to know is pick your brain. And of course, it can be dead or alive bands that you would love to see do a two song set list kind of thing. And we'll just discuss that. So the first thing I'd like to know is, do you remember your first concert you went to? I believe the first concert I went to was ACDC. Really? Yes. When I first got to college, because I was right up the street from the Centrum Mm -hmm. in Worcester. You You went to Worcester, which is now known as the DCU. Right. Worcester. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, my my Clark years, some of my best years of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe it was ACDC because my friend Diane bought me tickets for my birthday. Okay. So we went and saw ACDC at the Worcester Centrum. That and... would have been, I mean, that would have been well after they were established as a band too. Oh yeah, this was your. I'm probably talking close, like eighty-eight. Close to one of their one of their farewell tours. <laughs> <laughs> one of their first farewell tours. Right. Um. Yeah. They. Uh. Yeah. This was 1988. Right. This would have been 1988. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, because I didn't turn 18 until I got to college. You know, you know you're dating yourself here. <laughs> I know. I am. I'm old. What can I say? I, I hey, I woke up this morning. I'm happy. That is true. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's ACDC. Uh, no, wait, excuse me. Where did you go to college? Clark University. Where? <sighs> Clark. That's right. Come on. There's a lot of people who listen to this show that want to hear that Boston accent that we have. So my okay. sister went to Clark University in Worcester, Massachusetts. So, yeah, no, that's... um. Wow, ACDC. Okay, so that's a pretty good... So, all right. So with that being said, uh, what was the most recent concert you went to? I went to see Dave Matthews' band this summer. Right. You did go see Dave Matthews. And it and how was did a... you like Dave? Did you like it? I I have to say, um, I've always liked them. Yep. I now love them. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. I, I actually, you know what? I, I mean, growing up when... Dave Matthews kind of hit it big. I can respect the Dave Matthews concert. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen Dave Matthews in concert. No, I don't. I'll think tell so. you, he put on a phenomenal show. Oh, I'm sure he does. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, do you remember? Now, trying to think back to that first ACDC concert, do you remember? Like, do you remember what the encore like was? The last song, like, you know, for those about to rock, was that the you know? Do you remember anything about the set list at all, or no? You know what, Keith, you're talking about 
what I know, I know it's a long time ago, years ago. I get it, but sometimes people, you know, people right. remember. I mean, I would say that uh Chris I think Burgess, I was so I think I was so starstruck to be actually at a concert. Sure. Um, because as you know, mom had the tightest leash. Of course. Yeah, no, none me. of us were none of us were going to concerts. I remember when uh God, it was one of the times that U2 was going on con speaking of U2 it was yeah. one of the times that U2 was on going on concert on tour and i remember just thinking to myself they're probably going to break up soon or you know whatever the case was they're never going to go on tour again and i had begged mom to let me go and of course she was not i think it was at foxborough and she was not going to let me go and no of course not and i was just like what the hell man like and so Sure as shit, like they, I didn't get to see them until I was an adult, and I went right. and saw them later on. And um, I mean, so yeah, the concert, the concert game, I think started late for probably all for you, for me, and for our brother Brian, just because yeah. mom was just ridiculous and didn't let us go anywhere. No, she didn't let us go anywhere. I didn't yeah. get to go to Boston until sure I was in college. Well, that's the funny thing is that I oftentimes talk about my first wrestling event was Brian took me and we went on the, the orange line. And uh, it was when I was still 11 and he was, he had just turned 16. So okay. a 16 year old bringing his 11 year old brother in April of 1991 to the garden to go see wrestling. So, I mean, it must've been a Saturday matinee, but I just still find that really funny that she must've had no idea that we were doing it. Like I must've asked Brian and he must've been like, yeah, let's just go. And then we just went. Cause I don't remember buying tickets ahead of time. <laughs> I don't remember anything. So I'm sure Brian just said, all right, yeah, let's go. Uh, I will say that. That one sounds of, like Brian. Exactly. One of the things that I want to mention <laughs> is that I find awesome is not necessarily a musical concert, but my sister surprised me for my birthday and took my brother and I to see George Collin. Oh. And I think it was in like 1995, I want to say. Either 95 or 96, because it was still, I think it was 95. I think I actually, it was at the Warwick Theater in Warwick, Rhode Island. That's and, where it was. And I, well, because I have the stub and it has the day, but you cannot find the set list and you cannot find any confirmation that the, what year it took place. And I actually reached out recently to, uh, I reached out to, it was like through George Carlin's like Twitter or whatever the page is that I think his daughter manages. And I asked, I said, is there any way to find out if George Carlin had like a book where he had like, uh, you know, all of his dates? And she said to reach out to like his, I think it was his manager still who, and he came back and I, I wrote the email and I went, you know, I just want to know. I think it was either this year or that year. And the guy wrote back and he was like, yeah, I think it was 95. <laughs> I was like, okay, thanks, guy. <laughs> so, right. But, thanks, buddy. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Dick. Thanks for a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> but. It was cool though because I just remember one of the first <laughs> one of the first experiences that I remember just going nuts was when you brought me to that show and I mean I still to this day talk about that because That was a great show. It was, it was a great show and it was very important to me and I was grateful that I saw him another time and uh, I saw him at Lowell and Lowell at the uh probably the probably the Songus. I think it was the Songus. I don't think it was the uh, Lowell Memorial. Yeah, I saw him one other time and it was just a lot of fun and but I mean, as far as like other concerts, uh, Brian took me to a lot of shows. I think. You want to hear something funny? Mm. 
I was going through my some of my ticket stubs last night. Yep. Because I was just trying to kind of give myself a little refresher. Sure. See, you know, some of the things that I've been to. And apparently, I saw Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, I've seen Jerry Seinfeld too. I wonder Brian if Brian and went I went. Brian, I don't think we were together. Brian and I went to see Jerry Seinfeld. I went. I saw Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, Brian. There was, a couple, there was a couple of them like that that I went, oh my God, that's right. I did see so and so. You know what I mean? Sure. No, Brian, Brian and yeah, I went to see Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, he went to, Brian took me to the I'm telling you for the last time tour. And uh that was when he that was right after Seinfeld went off the air and he was going on tour and he was doing all of his old jokes and he decided he was, and that was the whole premise is like, these are the last time I'm doing these jokes. And uh, I think even too, it was people thought made it, this, this might've been his like retirement from, from comedy, but um, really, you know, well, I think that's what people thought. Who knows if that's true. So now have you ever had the chance to see, and I don't mean to, you know, I don't mean to generalize that you're a girl or anything like that. But have you ever had a chance to see Madonna or Cindy Lauper or, you know, Joan you Jett know, or any of like Heart, any of these bands? It's funny that you say that because those are some of my Blondie, Pat Benatar. Sure. Um, those those were some of my heroes growing up. Of course. Ladies that could rock it out. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right um, in your wheelhouse. Right. Mm -hmm. And I never got to see any of them. Mm. However, I have seen um, No Doubt. Okay. And I actually went and I, and I had, it was, it was a great experience, actually. When I was living in South Carolina, mm -hmm. me and my, uh, he who shall not be named ex-husband. <laughs> um, Your Lord Voldemort. <laughs> right. Won a meet and greet with no doubt. Oh, cool. And it was a really small little venue. And we actually got to like be in a room with them and like nice. hang out. Yeah, it was nice. super cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. And um, I'll tell you something. I don't think I ever have seen a more beautiful woman in person. Mm. In my life, thank yeah, Gwen Stefani is beautiful. I will say that, and she, she seems to be she seems to be hanging on with age too. You know, mm. so that is cool. I think she I think she wears entirely too much makeup, but um, uh, yeah, but that's yeah, that's a thing. For well, I think she wore probably too much makeup back then too. You know, yeah, but other I mean, but she was just absolutely breathtaking. I was like, you are absolutely beautiful. I, like, thank you. <laughs> I saw I saw them. They were performing with with Bush. And it okay. Was the, it was at the the Providence Civic Center, which has a new name, but it was called the Dunk because it was like the Dunkin' Donuts Center for a while. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the hell they call it now. My friend, my friend, my friend, J, my friend JT will know, and he'll yell at me. He'll be like, "Dude, it's called the friggin' this now," and I'll be like, "Okay." But um, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> But he'll, um, yeah, he'll give me shit for that. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, we went to see them, and I swear, I swear, they were like, it was, they were had, I think like spider webs had like just come out, or maybe it was right after, like they had become a name, but they weren't, they were this, so they were technically the opening band, I believe, and it was 
they were with Bush and Bush was the headliner. And so that was why I was, I remember it obviously because I went, we went to go see Bush and that was like the right. reason why we went. But, and I remember hearing like no doubt and being like, damn, this band's friggin' great. They so, rocked out, man. Sure. So I'm sure that that was, I'm sure that was a big deal back then, you know? That but, was a I mean, great show. Yeah. I've seen, um, I've seen Till Tuesday. Oh, that's, oh, really? Yep. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yep. I've seen Till Tuesday. Um, and for those who may not know, their biggest hit was Voices Carry. It was. It <laughs> just was. In case, just in case, because now we're talking about some, you're talking about some bands that were okay, but they were almost one hit wonders, you know? Right. But, you know, um, but it was, it was another one of those things where it was like a really small venue. I think mm -hmm. they might even played at Clark. Excuse me. Sure. Excuse me, at Clark. Yeah. No, that's and, cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then um, I've seen like, uh, I've seen, oh, I Alana Miles, Black okay. Velvet. Yep. Um, I've seen Ani DeFranco a few times. She's more like a folk. Oh, yeah. No, I know Ani DeFranco. Sure. Yeah. I think everybody knows Ani DeFranco. Yeah. Yeah. So I've seen her a few times. She's amazing. That's cool. Yeah, but as far as any of my female rockers, mm. never really got to see. The closest I came was Gwen Stefani, with no doubt. And who was the band that you used to always go and see when you were in college? Max Creek. Max Creek. Max Creek. <laughs> I loved me some Max Creek. You talked about them so... I remember you talking about them so much and thinking that they were like a big name band. No, were, it wasn't it, that. It, it wasn't probably, that I did they they ever even play, Did they ever even play outside of Worcester? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they played. Um, I saw them at the Hampton Beach Casino. Oh, God. I saw them at. Um, they played someplace here in Boston. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah. Probably, yeah, Max Creek, and, though. I just, and we used to go see them in Providence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know you used to. Well, I know you used to go see them a lot. I know you. I didn't know you went to Providence and stuff. I yep. honestly, I never thought they were like. I always had the idea that they were like a bigger band, and then I was like, wait a minute, they're they're just like a college band. I don't know, man. They got like thirteen albums. <clears throat> Excuse me. That doesn't mean to me. <laughs> no, but they're it means they like well, hanging out together and singing songs. It's a, it's a, it was a, it was a fun thing to do when I was yep. in college. We used to go every Wednesday night. Of course. Did our, did our share of psychedelics and mm -hmm. would go and dance our heads off. Sure. I think my, uh, <laughs> my, my freshman year, um, my freshman year RA he was in like a band and I remember like his band and he was kind of like, um, it wasn't like, he wasn't like a, well, I guess you could probably say, Oh God, that concert was Bush and the Goo Goo Dolls. Oh, that's what that was. The Goo Goo Dolls. Ah. Who, the hell, who the hell did I go with? Cause I know it wasn't Brian. Cause Brian does not like the Goo Goo Dolls, but that's what it was. No doubt Bush and the Goo Goo Dolls. That was the tour. Remember and, when uh, concerts were like that? Yeah. It's funny too because it says it's the Tragic Kingdom tour, but that was the name of their band, but they weren't the headliner. So that's kind of funny. Maybe their tour was called the Tragic Kingdom, but anyway. So, um, you know, I uh, we we used to go we used to go down to like the Salem Salem Center, and he was like every weekend him and his band were playing, and I remember they played 
they played like Grateful Dead. So they were kind of like a dead band, like a fish and dead deadhead kind of band. Don't um, don't compare fish and the Grateful Dead. I'm not, but I'm just saying no, but as they were like the genre, genre as far yeah, as like jam genre. band. They were like jam bands, I guess, you know. And they were like a jam band, so yeah. Because that was the Grateful big... Dead was miles earth and in space. Your, in your humble opinion, they were miles above the what was it? Fish. fish. Some yes. people really like fish. I know that. And and Thank and you. fish has their merits and what have you, but they're no grateful mm -hmm. guy. Yeah, that's okay. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm not a big, I'm not a huge fan of either of them, so we'll just take a pass on that. But uh, okay, all right. So tell me about some other interesting shows that you've been to over the years. Well, you mentioned about being in college and mm -hmm. seeing shows when in college. Guess who came to Clark? Who? Blues Traveler. <laughs> oh, nice. Before they were, I oh mean, yeah, before, before playing before. college college campuses yep. yep and they played at the little club that we had on campus yep and oh my god they were phenomenal and i remember thinking this band's gonna go places mm. like they're very talented you know what i mean like they're yeah. just excellent musicians hmm. and uh and watching him play those harmonicas from literally five feet away from the stage mm -hmm. you know what i mean it was like sure. it's stuff like that like you just don't forget right you know what i mean like right. stuff like that you just don't forget yeah i know um, um they used to have i know like so our our brother went to bentley and i think i've said at least not on a la carte but i've said on other things that i've seen like he took me we saw San, adam sandler when he oh, you know, that must have been fun. Yeah, I think it was like right in between Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore. So I think Billy Madison had been out, okay. and uh, but he had already been on Saturday Night Live, obviously. And then so it was it was really like Sandler before Sandler became Adam Sandler, you know, or he right. was just starting to become Adam Sandler, and it was really good. And then I just remember Brian talking about some of the bands that were coming to Bentley, and you talking about the bands that were at at clock and then i remember the bands that would come and play at salem state and the, the years i was at salem state i don't think i ever went to any of the band concerts because it was just like bands that i just didn't have any interest in but um yeah no i mean it was always cool when it's always cool that bands will do like that that uh college tour kind of thing right it gives, like you said it's it gives you something to do it gives you something to enjoy on like a saturday night and you it's know an experience yeah, you take a couple psychedelics, you right. smoke a little, you smoke a little, uh, you smoke a spliff, yeah, and then you head on down and you go do what you got to do. Sure, exactly. Blues Travel would have been great to see. I would have loved to have seen Blues Travel. Actually. Yeah, they were amazing. I think yeah. I, I think I saw them again in like um, a Lollapalooza. Oh, probably. Like yeah. Speaking yeah. of Lollapalooza, I think I saw yeah. like the first seven. <laughs> yeah, like Blues I used to. Uh, yeah, it was a thing. It was a big thing with me. And I mean, I wish I had all my shirts. I wish I had all the years that I went and like, I looked through my ticket stubs, Keith, and I'm like, there's way, way more. I know I had. Oh, like, of course. Yeah. I mean, tons. I, and all my sports stubs, like from Red yeah. Sox games and Patriots games. Yeah. 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 See, and that's the same thing with me. Um, 
I'm I'm the same exact way. Like I know I have a ton of stuff that is just gone because I just don't have them. I don't know where they are, you know. Exactly. And I yeah. could have sworn that this box was filled mm. with ticket stubs. Right. And I opened it up and I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, but there was still there's still, I mean, I know they can't see me on the podcast, but mm-hmm. oh yeah, she's got a good thick, a good <laughs> thick like five or six inches wide thing Stack of ticket stubs. Right. Then, <laughs> yeah, no, that's um yeah, but, I mean I think we, we all used to have cork boards and we'd put them all on our cork boards. Yeah. 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 No, I mean you know, it's funny. It's it's funny. I'm looking up Lollapalooza. It started in like 1991. It started touring. Yeah. Yep. They went they went pretty consistently through like 97 and then they took a couple of breaks and then yeah. Right. So I think I saw the first six in a row. Sure. And one of them I actually went out to see my friend Matt, I believe, and, and I saw it in either Kansas or Missouri. Brian Brian has the the story of how he was so excited in 1994 he was going because Kurt Cob- well Nirvana was gonna play. Yeah. And then it ended up they turned it down and then Kurt Cobain killed himself. Oh god. And so Brian was really pissed that he never got to see Nirvana. Yeah, I hear ya. There's a couple of bands that ha- that happened to for me, like Beastie Boys. Yeah. I was supposed to go see Beastie Boys with yeah. Five. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, then, and then I think what's his name broke his foot or something or yeah. 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 And then they, and then they never foot. and then they stopped touring. Oh, yeah. and I I know what it was. Brian goes, Brian's like, they replaced they replaced Nirvana with the Smashing Pumpkins. Smashing he, Pumpkins, yeah. Yeah, he was like, he was so pissed. Right. <laughs> so I which I don't blame him. I mean, that's that's not awesome. But, but yeah, if you look at those first six Lollapaloozas, I got to see sure. all of those bands. Yeah. And like yeah. some of those bands were like Jane's Addiction. Man, they were oh, fire. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely fire. Faith No More. Mm-hmm. I've seen. Um, there's a couple that, like I said, that I was looking through my, you know, my stubs to just kind of give myself a little refresher. Yeah, and I'm like, I've seen some really like, so I've seen Pantera like a few times. Yeah, so hold on, I got this here. So I have on like the Wikipedia page. You can go and look at. I'm assuming it's not the complete list, but it has the lineup. So '91 was at Great Woods in Mansfield, which was our yep. you know big open air theater. They had Jane's Addiction, Living yep. Color, Nine Inch Nails, Ice T, and Body Count. Yeah, uh, the Buffalo Surfers, the Rollins Band. Uh, that's what they have for '91, '92. They have the Chili Peppers, yeah, Ice Cube, Soundgarden, yeah, Pearl Jam, Lush, yep. and then they have. It says the side stage. I don't know if the side stage is everywhere. No, it's not because like they have it listed. Like Rage was there, but it's at it's at Irvine Meadows, so it must have been. It wasn't in um, like Tool. It has Waterloo Village in New in New Jersey, so it wasn't everywhere. But they had like Porno Papyro, Cypress Hill, House of Pain, Sweaty Nipples. Do you remember the band Sweaty Nipples? I, don't, I, have to, I, I say with regret, I do not yeah. remember them. Um, they had STP. Ninety two would have been awesome to see Stone Temple Pilots because 
that was like kind of right when they were starting to yeah i do i'm telling you man the Lollapalooza is where the shizzle sure I, you know when i because that was when you, you're talking about i was like in my i started when i was 20. yeah no yeah you were in the prime of your youth there 93 right. had like allison chains primus dinosaur jr fishbone arrested development front 242 babes in toyland rage yep. i mean that's a friggin yeah, that's that was the cool thing. It was kind of like it, it took the it took the spirit of what they tried to do at Woodstock um, exactly. in '94 and then in '99, and it just it was still just a awesome experience for people, I think, to enjoy and see some good shit. Oh. And, and again, it's you're talking about just having bands come in, sing two or three songs, and then they get down, and then they're back. And I mean, and that's. There is a revival. It seems like Lollapalooza has done a revival and they do, you know, they are at least trying to kind of keep it going. Uh, I would love to go see a Lollapalooza. It's just, I wonder if it's, I wonder if it actually, you know, if, because I know like around Boston now we have Boston Calling, which is like the big, you know, spring, summer kind of music festival. Right. And, and they get a lot of bands for those Boston Callings, like a lot. And, you know, I've never been to one of those, surprisingly. Well, the funny thing is, is I always, as I was telling, as I tell people, I go, if you're going to go to Boston Calling, let me know, because I, I live down the street from where they have it, basically. Right. And I'll just Seriously. drive you. I'll drive you there and I'll pick you up. You don't even have to pay for parking. Right. So, yeah, like this year they had the Foo Fighters. This, this was actually this year's Boston Calling. The Foo Fighters, it was their first concert um, since their, since Taylor Hawkins had died. So it was like a big deal that they performed. But they had like okay. Alanis Morissette there. Oh. Queen, Queens of the Stone Age. Like that's like. Oh. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good deal. So. That is a very good deal. Yeah. So. Hmm. All right. That's what else good. you got? What other things you got? All right. So. Um, so like I said, I saw like. Uh, Pantera a few times. I saw Suicidal Tendencies a couple times. Megadeth. Saw Metallica a few times. Um, Nine Inch Nails, I think I saw another time. Oh, you know who I saw that was fantastic? The Black Crows. I bet. And it I, like, was I love the Black Crows. Tiny little theater. Sure. Um, well, like you've seen like a bunch of like intimate setting concerts. Yes. Where it's not like that. It's not at like a stadium or a, right. a major concert venue. Like you're seeing like concert hall state like shows. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I've been very lucky. I've, I've seen, I've, I've gotten to um, really experience Mm. Um, musical concerts with some really talented artists, and, and by experience, and by and by experience, do you mean like you slept your way to the backstage area? Is that? No, I was never that girl. Um, you know, I just was never no. that girl. No, to um, say the parlance, to say the parlance of wrestling turns, my sister is not a ring rat. She's correct. never she's never slept her way to the top. Let's no, she is not. She's not. My sister is, if anything, she is a lady. <laughs> yes, I'm such a lady. <laughs> if anything, oh. I would imagine. If anything, I could imagine you going up to like a bouncer and being like, "Yo, man, here, here's a joint. Just go ahead and let me back there." 
Right. And you know, it's funny. I, I was going to say, I, but I'd be the girl that the band would be buying drinks for. Oh, of course. You'd probably I'd be, I'd be I, making you know what? I, I, I would not have been surprised if like during your, during your days in college, and I don't know this, I've never asked you this before. And I don't know if it's, tr I don't know if it ever happened, but I would not be surprised that during your days in college, when you were going to like your little small, like coffee house that you had on campus, if somebody was like, Alisa, why don't you come up on stage and we'll friggin' sing a song together and you get up there and friggin' belt out some tune from, I hate to say Janice Joplin because it's so. Oh, cliche. but I love, I used to love know, singing Janice. It's a cliche thing for you to sing Janice Joplin in college, but like, I don't know. I could see you getting up there. Like you had mentioned, um, oh God, what was it? Who was the band that you saw that was, she was the one hit wonder. Um, Black Velvet. Who was that? Alana Miles. Yeah, I could see you getting up there and singing Black Velvet. And I like, sang Black Velvet when I was in college. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. And I so, did a pretty damn good job, too, if I do say so yeah. myself. Oh, I could see you getting up there and singing. Um, I sang Me and Bobby McGee. You did? Yeah. But like Pat Benatar, I could see you singing a whole shitload of Pat Benatar. Yep, I, sang Pat, I sang Pat Benatar. Mm -hmm. I've done a little singing in my time. In your time, you know, you know, did um, a little, did a little karaoke, did a little sure. open mics. Absolutely, live I've music. Seen it. I've seen it. You yep, shut you down know. a party once that for a. Remember that you had? We had a party at a person's house that was, uh, we'll say, remain nameless, and our friend, uh, my friend Bob, Bob from Bob Heck Entertainment, Pittsfield's uh -huh. number one entertainment destination. I might Absolutely. add, but Bob Heck, uh, Bob brought his. Uh, karaoke equipment and you were singing i think you were singing me and bobby mcgee and then the yeah. police came <laughs> yes <laughs> don't say whose house it was don't say whose house it was no i will not but, but that, was were, a, that was and that was like it, and it happened to be like i don't know two minutes after i had put away my birthday gift that my friends gave me which was uh obi-bong kenobi yes and i had just like I had just put that away and then the, and it wasn't for, it wasn't because we were being too rowdy. It was because where we had the karaoke stuff, it was like echoing and the neighbors were hearing it and it was like loud. And I was like, of course it's while my sister's singing because she's got the loudest voice out of anybody in this house. You didn't even need the microphone and speakers, but no, I do love some good karaoke though. So that's, that's but I, did, I did a good job though. Absolutely. No, you were rocking the house, you know. Um, have you ever been to a terrible concert? Huh. And now let me wait. Let me give you a couple of, you know, couple things that you can consider here. Okay. It doesn't have to be that the concert itself sucked balls. It could be that, like, maybe it was at Great Woods and it fucking poured out and it wasn't the kind of band. It wasn't the kind of concert that it would have turned into, like, a mud pit. It was just, like, shitty right. that you were sitting there. Or let's say you went to going back to jam bands, like you go back to a jam concert and they sing two songs. Like I've heard, right. I've heard that happens at like tool concerts where like they play two songs and that's it. Really? There's a 45, there's a 45 minute bass and bass drum solo. Right. <laughs> so I, and I hate to say this because we spoke of this earlier, but yeah. again, he who shall not be named mm -hmm. my ex-husband his favorite band was Fish. Oh, God. Okay. Okay. And I am not a fan. 
that, see that's I don't remember that at all about him. Yes. And he got us tickets to go see them one time. Mm-hmm. It was in this big stadium. We were at literally, I think we were either the last row or the second to last row. <laughs> yeah. Where you were literally like, if you leaned forward, you were going to roll down. Sure. Yeah. To your death. Been, yeah. 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 To like certain death. Um, and I think they played a total of like five songs because their quote jams in between. Yeah, that's the yeah, that's the whole point. Were you know freaking twenty minutes long, fifteen minutes yeah. long yeah, of the just jam- them, what I like to call musical masturbation. Yeah, they're just yeah. No, I get you. I mean. And, Believe me, and I, I didn't play one song that I knew. And well, I it's was like, like and this I, is the most miserable experience of my sure. life. Like, I can't get those hours back ever. Yeah. Um. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something that's personal, but it's probably one of my favorite stories that you've told me about okay. a concert, and it has to do with the James Taylor concert with our dad. I found that ticket stub. Uh, you should like frame that. So I know because I wrote my, it on the back. <laughs> so my dad, my dad loved James Taylor. And um, real quickly, my dad, my dad had like a stroke when he like in 1992 when he was like 40 something years old, and he kind of lost a lot of his ability to speak. And um, when my sister was married, when she did the father daughter dance, it was to which one was it? You've got a friend, or was it? Got a friend. I think yeah. it was and, <laughs> and my sister was telling me that while they were dancing, my dad was singing and doing a fairly good job of singing. Yeah. You've got a friend, right? Yeah. So, and it's a different part of the brain. So, you know, he was able to do that. So James, was, was it out at um, Tanglewood Great or was it? At Great, it was it Great Woods. Yep. Okay. Cause I know James Taylor performs a lot in Tanglewood, which is out in like Western mass, but yeah. Um, right. But no, so this was, one, this one yeah. was at Great Woods. And so my, my sister took my dad and they're out on the grass, right? Yep. And my sister pulled out a joint, a spliff. Yep. <laughs> and I she had looked, and she looked at my dad and my dad, who to our knowledge, never smoked pot. Like dad's right. drug of choice was drinking. Exactly. <laughs> Most dad's definitely. Drug cho- dad's drug of choice was vodka. So Most definitely. For my, and and from what I also recall, he didn't take too kindly to people that smoked weed either. Like he thought it was kind of right. like, you know, so he frowned upon that. So my dad, my sister pulled out the joint and my dad looked at her and he just went, ooh, like that. And, yep. and then she, you smoked a joint with dad. Yep, I sure did. It's and one of the best memories I have. Oh, it's, I tell that memory, I tell that story to a lot of people because it, it it's it's a very in our family in our kind of goofy wacky family that we have it's a it's an let's just put it this way it is a true langstonian moment because it's just that's just the way that you could explain our family is just how kind of goofy and wacky it is that my sister got a chance to smoke a joint uh with my dad it's kind of like one of the last things that i did with my dad before he got you know sick and passed away was we were at like a family wedding and I bought my dad a drink. 
Right. And it was just one of those things where it was like, it was cool because I was old enough that I was able to buy a drink and sit and have a drink with my dad. I remember. Was that when, Karen's wedding? It was. Yes. And um, I remember that there was a Red Sox game that me and Bob Heck of Bob Heck Entertainment, Pittsfield's number one entertainment destination. Bob that's Heck. A, that's a joke from our, from GFA Live. Pete and I always talk about Bob Heck of Bob Heck Entertainment. We've given him so many free plugs. I don't know if anybody's ever called Bob because of our podcast, but I'm still going to, every time I talk about Bob, I got to say it. But I had I bought tickets. Oh, I love, we love Bob. Everybody loves Bob. Bob's the best. Um, but I had gotten tickets through like a work, uh, you know, like a work uh, board, like, you know, the message boards or whatever. And he he and I went to the game, the Red Sox game at Fenway. And it happened to be like one of the hottest games of the year ever. And it just so happened that Brian was at the game with dad. And I want to say it might have been, it, it might very well have been Beth. I don't know if it was Beth or if it was, no, I think it was Beth. It was, I think it was Beth. And it just so happened that we were all at the game and we were all kind of sitting near each other. Right. So at like one point, at one point they were in like the right field stands. We were kind of in the right field corner. And at one point we went out into the back and like, we all just kind of hung around and Brian talks about, I think like sitting there drinking a beer with dad, like at Fenway. And it was like, so it's kind of cool that we all have these memories of, of doing, you know, (laughs) adult stuff adult adult stuff yes i was gonna say like intoxicating but adult stuff with our dad so that's kind of cool but i do love that james taylor and um yeah and i think i actually took him for his birthday oh i'm sure i think it was tickets for his birthday i think and as you know from time to time i do like to go and i sit down at the beach because one of the when when our dad passed away we he wanted his ashes spread in the ocean so we went as a family to, he was from South Carolina. We went to South Carolina and my mother spread his ashes. And now you kind of have this, if you believe in that sort of thing, it's a spiritual moment that you can go to any beach in the world and you can sit and have a moment with, with, with my dad. And so, as you know, from time to time, I like to go down to the beach and I sit and I play James Taylor on my phone and I just kind of sit there and enjoy it. And it's, uh, as do I, and I gotta, I gotta see if I can, one time go and see. I don't think I've ever seen James Taylor, so I should try to get and see him before. I've seen him a few times. He's phenomenal. Keith, you have to go see him. I know. I should. Um, All right. You know who else else I've seen a few times that's absolutely breathtaking is Eric Clapton. Oh, sure. Oh, but Clapton, I mean, Clapton's, he's not going to tour anymore. Um, I don't think he's touring anymore. I saw... My favorite is probably when I saw Paul McCartney, that was the most, oh, that was the most so like awe inspiring, just like seeing him because it was just this. And Brian went to that show and Brian looked at me and he goes, This is the guy that wrote those songs. And I was like, right. Yes, it is the guy right. that wrote those songs. Like, so, it is, it is kind of goofy when you see him singing like Love Me Do and you're like, What the hell is this? Like, right. Really? Yeah. You know what? I just to just to interject real quickly with awestruck moments. Sure. I remember like the first time I saw Clapton. Mm-hmm. I cried. Oh, okay. Um, when I saw the Eagles, I yep. cried. Sure. Pink Floyd. Yep. 
cried. Yep. Like just, just the, to be in the presence of these, of these bands that are, or these musicians that were so instrumental to your formation as a human being. Right. And, and, you know, like, um, just sometimes, you know, like thinking about, you know, them coming on stage and the lights come on and you see them yeah. all there and it, it's like yeah. the original band. It's not, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, it's not a cover band. Right. right. You know, I, I was, I didn't, I won't say I cried because I just, I'm not a huge crier, but well, I am a girl. I know, but I was emotionally moved. I'll say that with, um, with Paul McCartney yep. and definitely with, I want to say it was the, like the second or it was like the third time that I saw the Foo Fighters. And it was, it was the one at Fenway where Dave Grohl had broken his leg and he made like the, 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 it was the iron throne out of like guitars that he had, which the iron oh, throne wow. Game of Thrones. And, and it was like, they had it on a thing where it would move out and it would move back and it would move out and it would move back and stuff. And I just remember, and the only reason I, the only reason I say this is because we had seats and the person in front of me, and I was on the aisle and the person in front of me wasn't, there was nobody there. So I could sit the entire time and enjoy the show. And I didn't have to stand because no one was in front of me. I had a perfect view of the stage and I had taken an edible. And I think um, I had gone with our, with Larry, our friend, Larry. And I said to Larry, I go, I think you had an, I think you saw a completely different concert than I did. (laughs) (laughs) But it was, it was so, and I remember just being like, (coughs) like jaw open, awestruck because yeah, it's just the, it is, it's just that when you're absolutely right. Like you're talking about just the emotional connection you get with certain bands who really formed and shaped your who you are and your, your adolescence yeah. your, your i can agree i can agree i would say that about you too but they're so pretentious it's just i can't like by the time i saw them bono thought he was like the leader of peace in the world and i was like eh, you know i mean but right great well, like, show. i remember i know it's they're you know they're not huge uh fan favorites or whatever but def leppard was one of my oh, favorite yeah. fans growing up sure. and when I got to see them, mm-hmm. I didn't cry, but I was like, and I remember, I, I think they played like every song I wanted to hear. And you were just like otherworldly, like, oh. Yeah. 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 It was amazing. Uh-huh. It was amazing. So what and, would you say? Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say, what would you say is your favorite concert of all time? Oh. Best overall concert experience, best everything. That's if you so can pick hard. one. If you can pick one, fine. If you can't, throw some that are on the top list. All right. You know? Let's I'll give you like a, a top, you know. Doesn't like, have to like, be ranking. If you can't rank them, don't rank them. Just throw them out there. All right. Well, the James Taylor one with dad would be definitely. Yep. If not number one, would be on the top of the list. Yep. Um Pink Floyd. And how many Eagles. times have you seen them? Just once. 
Oh, okay. Wow, really? Yep. yep. Okay. Because they because they broke up. That's true. They did Roger break up. Waters, I mean, Roger Waters had a huge blowout with um. Oh my god. Yeah, but Roger Waters, I think, tours a lot. He does, but it's not the same thing. That's it's like going to see the Grateful Dead now, and it's like a lot of the original members and whatever, but it's not the same. It's not, you know what I mean? It's not Jerry Garcia and Bob Weir, and you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's not the same. No, I hear you. You know, just like, you know, Bob Weir has his little, uh, oh, what's his? Oh, something, yeah. Something yeah, what, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, I, I say it, it's like, it's like going to see Queen. Oh, you know, right. Like with Adam not, Lambert. Nothing against Adam Lambert. I'm right. sure he's fantastic. I'm sure he's phenomenal. And but he's I know not Freddie Mercury. He's not Freddie Mercury. And even though it's with the rest of the band, right. It's not Freddie Mercury. Like it's I would Freddie almost Mercury. I, I would almost be satisfied with them having just like just <laughs> uh his vocals. <laughs> Like somehow getting the master track of just the vocals from Freddie Mercury and then having that play on a speaker while the band's playing in the background. There you go. I would I would go see that. Is that 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 to me would be almost but again, I'm sure that if I saw Adam Lambert with Queen, I'd go nuts because I mean that's Queen. I'm sure he's amazing. one of my favorites, you know. I've heard nothing but amazing things. About that. Yeah, you know what? That kid that was that kid that replaced Steve Perry in Journey does a fantastic job. I heard that he's amazing. Yeah, so I heard that he's amazing. I don't know, but I agree with you about like going to see a band now that's like not the reason why the band was the band, you know? Right. And that's Gary Garcia. Gary Garcia is the reason why the friggin' band was the band. Right. And that's and you know, and that's the thing about when I said like that when I saw Pink Floyd, it was it was, it was the whole it was the whole band all together. When I saw the Eagles, it was the whole band all together. You yeah, know, can't do, can't do that anymore. Right. And exactly. And it's like, that's what I mean. It's just like some of these experiences that you just kind of hold dear to that, oh. you know, like they're gone now. Like I, I regret so much that I never got to see Tom Petty. Yep. Like me, never got for to me, see him. For me, it's huh? Fleet, it's Fleetwood Mac. For me, I would have loved to have seen Fleetwood Mac. Sure, and I mean, yeah, you could get away with probably seeing if they did a show like Stevie Nicks could sing all of Christy McVie's songs, but it's not the same. It's not know? the same. Yeah, it's not the same. That's why they worked so much as a band. Yeah. Because they because they had the harmonies and the such a good band too. God. Oh, an amazing band. <laughs> oh, I'll, if I if I could, we could do a whole segment on bands that I regret that I never got to see. So let's. So with that being said, what do you think would be your list? Like if we if I said to you, you can do your your set list. Okay, but what before you, you move on, I just have to add in the Grateful Dead. Oh, okay. No, no, to, I know. You're right. How many to, times have you seen the dead? Uh a few. Are they the one that you've are they the of the big bands that you've seen the most? Prob yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen them. 
And I've I know seen Max, them. I know Max Creek is probably the number one, but that's you know. right. But that was a like you said, that was a college thing. That was a you know, that was like the band that I followed in college. But they Did still play. Like, I know, but didn't didn't you have like a shirt? Don't you still have like a T-shirt? <laughs> oh, I'm sure I got tons. I I've over the years have had tons of Max Creek T-shirts. Mm -hmm. That was one of the best experiences of college. We used to go every Wednesday. What's this guy's name? Scott Morosky. Morosky. Yes. Yeah, he's the lead. The lead guy. Yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> and they did like they do or did co they cover some Grateful Dead songs and stuff like yeah. that. But they're yeah. not a Dead cover band. No, no. They have their own stuff. You know what I mean? I'm just looking. I'm just looking at the. Their, they have a Wikipedia page, so there's somebody. Yeah. They've been around for a long time. I know. I'm just busting your chops. That's all. I know you are, but I'm used to it, Keith. I've yep. known you your whole life. All right. So go ahead. So let's right. see. What would be, what's on your list of um your what's on your set list of your magical set list? Okay. So it would be I would want to see Led um Led Zeppelin. Okay. That would be my dream concert. Sure. Um you know, like with John Bonham, like the actual real. Yep. Blood I told you it, they can be, this is dead or alive, you know, right. coming with me. So, so I would, so I put a lot of thought into this because I know you did I, <laughs> because Led Zeppelin is just my all time favorite band. And yep. um, their, their library is ridiculous. The yeah. amount of songs that they have and, and songs yep. that I love and you know. Yeah. But um just to to you know to just kind of name a few sure that I would like go crazy to you know to hear them play mm -hmm. would be Fool in the Rain. Okay. Um You Shook Me. Yep. Dazed and Confused. Yep. Misty Mountain Hop. Okay. Uh, Ramble on. Yep. The ocean. Okay. When the levee breaks. Yep. Um. Okay. This is a whole concert now. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. As this far is, as this is, all right, so this is night one of Lollapalooza of Elisa Palooza. <laughs> this is night one of Elisa Palooza. Well, seriously though, then if I could, I can even stop there. No, no, no. Keep going. Keep going. I want to hear the the set list. I told you to get do the set list. All right. So that's so that would be part now. And then like I would really love I you know it's and I debated about this. Okay. About about um oh my god, I just went right out of my head. Stairway to heaven. Yep. Would I want to hear them play that? And then I think, how could you go see Led Zeppelin and not hear them play Stairway Yeah, Heaven? that's that's the song that they, that's their closing out the show with. Right. You so I, I would want that to be the encore. Okay. I would definitely want it to be the encore. Because mm -hmm. that's a perfect song to close with. Sure. And it's, you know, and it's the song everybody goes to hear them play. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's a, a few others. I'll tell you what. Zeppelin one is mm -hmm. like one of 
to me, it's like such an amazing breakout album mm-hmm. for a band. Mm-hmm. Like the songs on that album alone, it's like just how about just go on stage and play Zeppelin One. <laughs> <laughs> you're not just wrong. Play it, play it from beginning to end, you know. Yeah, you're not wrong. So right, you know, just like Pearl Jam. Like if Pearl Jam, if if my my ultimate dream concert would go go play 10 yeah yeah just play 10 just play 10 mm-hmm. play the whole album from beginning to end sure you know what i mean so i think mm-hmm. for me that would be my dream set list, if you will that was that's your dream zeppelin concert that's my dream zeppelin concert babe i'm gonna leave you mm-hmm. um your time is gonna come Mm-hmm. I mean, they just, there's, that's what I'm saying. There's so many. Yeah. That you just, it's like to even narrow it down to like a concert, it would have to be like a three day fest. Sure. You know, for me to be able to hear all the songs that I wanted to hear. But, um, and you know, it's funny because the other, the other band I thought about if I had my dream concert would be Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have them do, uh, Shine on You, Crazy Diamond, part uh, parts one. I think it's like one through six, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, and then um, and then I would do um, Run Rabbit Run. Mm-hmm. I would do. Oh, I I had this all like all lined up in my head. See, this is what happens when you get old, Keith. You have to write things that's down. Okay. That's okay. Oh, God. You just sounded like mom right there. <laughs> this is what happens when you don't write things down, Keithy. Bite your tongue, Keith Langston. This is what happens. Keith Michael. Don't, mm-hmm. you, get, don't you get fresh. This is what happens when you don't write it down. I would definitely do money. Um, yep. I would do... Pigs from Animals. Mm-hmm. That is an amazing song. That's mm-hmm. a great album. And it's one that doesn't get a lot of notoriety. Yep. From Pink Floyd. But that is a great album. Um, I would do... Um, I would definitely... I would have to do another Brick in the Wall again. Because... How can you see Pink Floyd and not have them sing another brick in the wall? Yep. You know what I mean? But again, I think that'd probably be something more of a closer for sure. me. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. um, it's funny because Shine On You Crazy Diamond is like, I think it's one of the best songs ever written. The whole, but the whole thing from beginning to end. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just such a beautiful song, such awesome vocals, awesome music. You know, mm-hmm. it just, it's like, it's almost ethereal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, to sit here and think about all the bands that I would have wanted to see and like, you know, like Janis Joplin, The Doors and, yeah, you know, like bands that just did. They died before I was even born, you know. I always mm-hmm. say I was born in the wrong time. I should have been, I should have been 18, 19 during Woodstock. Yeah. 
you know. I always I always feel like I feel like I should have been I should have been born, I would say 1973 for the type okay. of music I liked. It's okay. not like 72 or like I don't and not because not because your age is too old. It's just I think that if I was born in like 1973, I would still be able to enjoy the music of like the 90s. Yeah. And not be constantly being like, well, it's not as good as not as good as friggin', you know, Ario Speedwagon. You know what I mean? Like I could have enjoyed right. like like I could have been like, all right, you know, because that's because I'm not because I because I know like because our brother is in between that and me. He would he's 75, so it would be a little right. bit, you know. So he was see, he hit right at the perfect time for grunge. You know, right. and, yes. and, and that's, and that's why I kind of miss the grunge. Like I always say like Nirvana wasn't my band. It's the Foo Fighters. Right. Because Nirvana was just, I was still, I didn't have the teen angst yet by the time grunge. No, you were thing. too young. You yeah. were too young still. And yet I love the music from the seventies and the early eighties, you know? So it's that's because like, of me. That's because that's right. what I instilled right. in you. So that would have been awesome. It would have been great. I would have been like 10 years old in 1982. And I would have been like loving that music from like 81, 82, 83, you know? Yeah. Like, did you ever watch that show Freaks and Geeks? Loved that show. That was one of my faves. And that was like the type of music that I would have been totally into. Like the right. stuff that they were into. So, yeah. Um, okay. Any other, any other songs or bands or things like that that you have or? Um, I, just I mean, think, honestly, if you said that you wanted to listen to just Zeppelin and Pink Floyd, I think that's a perfectly cromulent friggin' concert to go to. Right. I think I would have liked to have seen Janis Joplin. Yeah. Um, I would have liked to have seen The Doors. Yep. Um, I definitely would have wanted to see, um, Heart. But I just never got oh, a chance yeah. to see them. I would have mm -hmm. loved to have seen Hart. I would have loved to have seen Fleetwood Mac. Sure. Um, you know, there's just that, there's that thing is that thing is both of those concerts you probably could have gone to like within the last like five years. Well, that's just it though. It's like what I what I should have been able to do was go when I was a teenager. I know, I know, but that's just the funny thing is that it's like. It's not like you're talking about like the Beatles. Like you're like, man, I really right. wish I could have seen Fleetwood Mac. Well, five years ago, you could have seen Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> it wasn't. It was like basically five years ago that that band stopped touring. But no, I understand what you're saying. I know what you're saying. It just, just never got a chance to. You know what I mean? Sure. Well, I, I've seen, a, I've seen a lot. Yeah. Six I've seen a lot, three. but I haven't seen them all. You know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I have. I've seen some pretty decent concerts. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Sounds like it. I mean, it sounds great to me. You know? I think I think my love of music has, uh, you know, pulled me in at a good time. Mm. As far as age-wise and and stuff like that. But like you said, and like we said earlier, if mom had been such a Gestapo and, <laughs> and held us in our pens at night. Well, you know? she was, I don't know. I don't she she's gonna listen to this, so we can't really dump on her too much. She was oh she, I don't I'm not I'm not dumping was, on her. I'm just saying she had a really tight being, leash. Yeah, she was being very, very 
overprotective. Yes. She knew knew that once we got out there in the real world, that people were going to kidnap us and, you know, take us to secondary locations and then we'd never be found again. So exactly. Yeah. Because, you know, she thought they were all waiting at the end of the street for us. They are. They are all they are all waiting at the end of the street. You know that. I know. I know. I know. I grew up in that house. That's why you that's why you deadbolt the door when you're in the house. Exactly. (laughs) I love you, mom. I know. Love you too, mom. Um, well, I mean, Elisa, that sounds like you've said it all. And uh, I want to thank you for coming on to a la carte with Keithy. It's just really fun, Keith. I hope this was a fun, yeah, I hope it was fun experience for you. And maybe we'll have you again one day. So, um, with with that being said, I love you, big sister. Uh, you're a wonderful person and, uh, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. You do the same. And thank you so much for having me on. No problem. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Excellent. All right, everybody, that wraps up this episode of Alicot with Keithy. Uh, a little bit of an extended episode. If you hung around this long, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, I want to give a very special thanks to my friends Jeremy and Chris and, of course, my big sister Elisa uh, for joining me this week and giving me their unique opinions on a wide variety of things from movies to comics to, to music. Um, please check out everything on the North-South Connection Podcast Network. Uh, We really are doing so much great stuff out there uh, that we're doing it all for you. And uh, it's if you could also just, you know, give me your thoughts on on the artist formerly known as Twitter, the X, uh, Flounder824. Leave a review on Apple Podcast or on Podbean or Spotify, wherever you find me. And please also check out uh, the other shows that I tend to be on from time to time. Of course, you can always catch me on GFA Live with my BFF and the whole wide world, Petey Winson. And uh, of course, uh, you know, I'm going to be showing up on Freak Out Driving this month with Jenny from the Jenny Position. So uh, check everything out. I mean, we're really doing a lot of great work on the North-South Podcast and Action Network, as well as the Place to Be Nation and the Place to Be Nation, uh, the pop feed and the wrestling feed. Uh, but once again, for Alicot with Keithy, this is Keithy Langston. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your week, weekend, and take care. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. from hell I had to throw that in there for you guys take care bye bye